If you've been watching, we're finally on air. Good evening and welcome into Hoopsville, everybody. I'm your host, Dave McHugh, coming to you from the WBCA NABC studios, presented by D3Hoops.com. Thanks for taking the time to join us. We certainly appreciate it. We hope you will enjoy tonight's show. There is a lot to unfortunately talk about on tonight's show. Um, it's where it's almost a matter of where do we start and not necessarily where we finish. We have obviously a lot of teams to talk about, and we have a lot of top 25 conversation to have, a lot of what's going on in Division Three, uh, but we also have a lot of changes happening. Uh, I will start first and foremost. Again, don't know why our Facebook stream is not running, but we will double check that and at some point in the show get it fixed. If you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we should be simulcasting. And for some reason, we're not. We know we get a lot of interaction there, and we'll try and fix that. Of course, all those interaction ways are down at the bottom of your screen as well. Of course, we're on Instagram at D3Hoopsville there as well, though we don't interact through there. We certainly um, use it to promote and such like that. We will talk about uh, other things soon. Jam Todd is probably listening to the podcast at this point. He said, did the UST MIAC discussion get shuffled from the most recent podcast to this one? I listened to most of it, bounced in and out a bit and thought I missed it. No, you didn't miss it. I teased it and then never got to it. We had so much content last week and I was dealing with some issues that I never got to it. That's not anybody's fault, <laughs> um, but it is why uh, we had some issues there um, and why some of you didn't see it. Um, we will talk about it coming up on the show. I promise you that. Um, let's see. Uh, we, we have a lot to talk about regarding conferences and teams. We got the news out of the Capital Athletic Conference. We've got the news uh, that affects the USA South and the NEAC. We'll talk at the, about the MIAC and the McAllister um, president who came out and spoke on Friday last week. Again, we meant to hit it on Monday's show, but did not. Um, and we got to talk a, bit, a little bit about UST as well. So lots of things to discuss. We will get to them. I promise you, we will get to all of those topics, plus our guests. Oh, by the way, which now reminds me, I put my note down on who was on the show. Oh, here it is. It's buried. Uh, so here we got coming up tonight. Uh, we are going to start with women's basketball tonight when we get to our coaches segments. We will talk to Albion women's basketball coach Doreen Carden, apparently on Twitter and Instagram. I'm said Carter, despite the graphics saying Carden. It is Carden. They're off to their best start since 2003, I believe. Eight and oh. We'll talk to her about what's going on so well for the Brits and why uh, we might have another team in the MIAA to keep an eye on. We have a new number one team in the women's top 25, which we all kind of knew about on Monday when we hit the show. We will talk to Tufts women's basketball coach in her first season with the program, Jill Pace, about what's going on with the Jumbos, their number one ranking, and you know the pressures that are on them. Also talk about the fact that a lot of teams now in Tufts land are winning national championships. What does that mean uh, in terms of pressure? We'll talk to, then we'll switch sides, we'll go to men's basketball. We'll stay in Boston. If you know this show well, you know we don't tend to stay in regions. We don't tend to stay in areas very often, but we will tonight. We'll go over to Babson. The new Mac team is number 14 in the country, tied for the best start in program history. We will talk to their head coach, Stephen Brennan, about that start uh, and what to make of the Beavers this season. Flew, flew a little under the radar, I think, especially ever, ever since Joey Flannery left. We'll talk to him about the significance of this start. And Benedictine out of the um, 
NACC out of the Central Region. Keith Buttonguer will join us. They're 8 and 1, jumped into the top 25 at number 24. They're off to their best start since 2015. Um, I think that was the undefeated season. I could be wrong. Um, great. You know, Benedictine's been through the ringer. Uh, you know, the idea of going to D2, coming, not going to D2, and all of that. We'll talk to Coach Bunkerberg about how that's affected the program and, and where they stand now. And again, we'll answer your questions, hopefully throughout the show. If you send them our way, we will do our best to uh, keep track of them. You can, again, follow us on Twitter at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. We'll also try and keep an eye out uh, on scores tonight uh, just to see what's going on in terms of uh, any upsets. Sometimes it happens. Not a lot of games tonight. Augustana is taking on McMurray. By the way, congratulations to uh, Greg Giovanni on win number 500. Speaking of which, win number 500 for Coach Nyland at Penn State Harrisburg. Uh, Amherst already has played and beat up Pine Manor 101 to 51. Uh, not information that the voters can do much with. Uh, LaSalle and Husson are playing right now. Well, LaSalle actually has a, a significant lead. We'll keep an eye on that. Uh, interesting game there. And uh, on the women's side, only one ranked team playing tonight. They've already started. Mary Harden Baylor taking on Texas Wesleyan in a non Division three game. We'll keep an eye on that. Speaking of non-games, uh, we will at least recognize the fact that uh, Mass Boston defeated Holy Cross in a game this week. The problem was for Holy Cross, it counted, so it was a loss on their record. For Mass Boston, it was an exhibition game, and so the overtime victory over a D1 essentially doesn't count. And I know there's been a lot of rah-rah and, hey, look at these guys. I I'll be blunt. When it doesn't count, this is about all you're going to get from us. Uh, congratulations. It doesn't mean much. Um, I don't mean that negatively. I just mean if it, if the game counted, I'd be leading with that story. Uh, we'd have the coach on. Great story, but the game doesn't count. And so we don't know how that changes the point of view of teams involved in the game. All right. So let's talk uh, about, and again, if you're listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube, simulcast or watching the show any way you do, and you're not uh, seeing us on Facebook, I apologize. We will try and get the simulcast up. Did everything right. Not really sure why uh, it's uh, being fickle tonight, as it were. Um, <laughs> it's one of those things that sometimes you can't win for for trying um, is literally uh, the catch there. But we'll do our best. Uh, so let's talk about the changes going on in Division Three, And the CAC has been one that, first off, we've been watching for a while. And secondly, it, I swear it is one of those things that people talk to me all the time about i don't know why i'm surprised um i guess because people think i'm in the area and i know what's going on um i, I do to some degree but not fully to be blunt um it's it's fickle it's fickle uh, actually we're gonna do a, a quick um we're going to do a quick check. I'm going to pause the broadcast, folks, uh, to see if we can get um, the Facebook one running. So just bear with me. It's going to pause on you for a bit, but we're coming back. Just give it a second. Okay, so we should be back if you're tuned in. We should be back. And welcome back to Hoopsville. We'll see if that triggered the Facebook stream. If not, again, I apologize, folks. You're probably losing it on YouTube or somewhere else going, hey, what the fuck? Don't worry. We're fine. Hey, by the way, Dan, I did see your point about Stevens Point. We will get to you. I promise. Um, 
So let's talk about the changes that are going on in Division Three, in the CAC in the Mid-Atlantic. The CAC essentially right now has six teams. They have um, Kath, uh, sorry, uh, Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, Salisbury, St. Mary's, York, Southern Virginia. Those are the six teams that are now left after Marymount and Wesley left for the AEC. And Penn State Harrisburg left this year for the NEAC. And Frostburg left this year for Division Two. In my opinion, the Frostburg leaving Marymount and, and Wesley leaving CAC was fine. Harrisburg kind of pulled the thread on things. Uh, Harrisburg, I think, caused people to start panicking. I don't have any good reason for why Harrisburg left. I, I don't understand it. I think it was a bad decision, in my personal opinion. Um, but nonetheless, they left. When you go and, I mean, the, the, there's talk that the president there wanted to go back to the NEAC, thought they weren't improving. I thought Harrisburg was improving. I thought it was a better challenge than being in the NEAC. And we can talk about that more in a minute. But that was a thread I felt that got pulled. If Harrisburg stays, at worst, you see Southern Virginia leave. And we knew Southern Virginia was looking to leave because they had been um, in the mix at the ODAC when the ODAC eventually chose Farum as a new member not that long ago. So we knew Southern Virginia was looking, and it makes sense. They're pretty isolated out there uh, north of Roanoke. Not the, the best option. If they could find another home like the ODAC, great. Uh, they didn't find the ODAC. You still have some things in play, and we'll come back to that. But even if Southern Virginia leaves, you've got Penn State Harrisburg, you've got York, you've got Salisbury, Christopher, Newport, Mary, Washington, St. Mary. So you're at six. But here's the trick about the CAC. The CAC may be one of those rare conferences where not having an AQ is not the end of the world. You end up usually with really strong SOS numbers coming out of that. They're going to absolutely eat up the Pool B for the most part in almost every sport that they participate in. They're going to take it over the independents. Come on. We talk about independents at 500 or worse sometimes or not very good teams who get those pool Bs. CAC would have taken those pool Bs. No problem. Just like Thomas Moore took a lot of the pool Bs. Um, not in men's basketball last year, obviously, because the AEC was involved. But again, and remember, the CAC right now is in year one, essentially, in most sports uh, of two years where they have an AQ, even though they don't have the numbers. So I thought things were going to be okay. But then Harrisburg leaves. You know Southern Virginia is going to possibly leave. Um, and then to, and then the news we knew was coming. I knew was coming, but I hadn't been able to, to solidify it. First off, St. Mary's announced today, it was, should have been announced earlier in the week, that they are leaving for the NEAC. And I'll be, I'll be blunt. I don't get this one. Um, they, I understand that it's a, it's a step into a conference that's more competitive for St. Mary's for the most part. However, St. Mary's has been competitive in the CAC in years past. And throughout my 25 years in this region, they've been competitive. Trust me, I've had my fair share of soccer games against St. Mary's soccer programs. They're a good system when they put the money into it. We haven't seen a lot of money into St. Mary's system. And I say that because we've seen a lot of programs struggle. And, and that's another topic. But they're now moving the NEAC. And the problem is now they're going to have to spend on travel. You're going to have to go up now to Morrisville State at the furthest north right now, maybe Wells. I can't remember which one's further north. And you're going to have to absorb that travel, especially in double round robins. I talked to some people um, close to the programs at St. Mary's. I didn't talk to everybody I wanted to talk to, but I talked to some. They're under the impression, and we'll get to the NEAC in a bit, that the NEAC may have some growth. 
They also understand and have said that there's more money being given to them for transportation, for transportation, not necessarily for everything else. I, I don't, when you go to, and I, I hate to say this, but when you go to essentially one of the, the bottom conferences in, the, in Division Three, first off, you better win. Second of all, if you're not investing in your program, you may not win. I don't understand what th this decision, to be blunt. Also, for the rest of the NEAC, St. Mary's, you thought Gallaudet was far away. St. Mary's is further. Um, it's not easy to get to. So I don't understand the, the, the point. And for Southern Virginia, they're leaving for the USA South. As a result of all these moves, folks, the CAC will be down to three teams in 2021-22. The 2021-22 academic year. Down to three teams. That's it. Christopher Newport, Salisbury, Mary Washington. I've been preaching to some who've listened to me in the CAC. Stay pat. Take the pool B. But now they're down to three. There are some problems here. I don't know if you can stay pat because even though you stay, listen, here's the reasons you stay as a conference. You have awards for your student athletes, both weekly and at the end of each season. You have awards for your coaching staffs as well. You have uh, obviously some scheduling taken care of as a result. You also have a seat at the table, the NCAA. Listen, you can go to, to the NCAA convention. You can go to meetings. You can do all of these things as independents. But you don't have a conference commissioner, per se, going to conference commissioner meetings. You don't have that role. You don't have a table at the convention that says CAC on it. You don't get that extra vote as a, com as a com uh, conference. You only get votes individually. And so as a result, you break out into independence. You kind of put yourself in no man's land. And as much as you might schedule your, your fellow, fellow, uh, fellow brethren you don't have conference championships to play for. You don't get to recruit for those things. And you get real problems with with, with um, scheduling. Granted, there's three of them. Even if they broke up and weren't a conference anymore, they could schedule each other. But you still have some issues here. I don't know where the future is for the CAC now. I, I, there's a thought, yeah, maybe they can absorb into the ACAA. I don't think that's really reasonable. I don't think... Uh, first off, I think Valley Forge is going somewhere. That's the closest to the three schools. I don't think the rest of the ACAA is going to want them. There's two schools in California in the ACAA. This, that doesn't work. Uh, furthermore, there could be a rule put in place in January that dictates, and, I, and I'm kind of for this, that if a conference wants an AQ, they got to play, I think, either 50 or 75% of, of their schedule against conference foes. I think the 75% is a little high. It kind of flies in the face of the 70% in-region rule. So maybe it's 50% of your schedule has got to be in conference, and, and that makes a lot more sense. But are we going to fly to L.A. to play Mills College in women's sports? Are we going to play UC Santa Cruz? I don't think that's a, a, any sense in the ACAA. Uh, there's talk that, okay, maybe they absorb in the NJAC. Let's let's get this out of the way. The NJAC's not really an option. They may take an application from a Salisbury or somebody to, to humor some higher-ups to say that, they, that the school did it. But the NJAC charter says in-state. They're not going to change that. And furthermore, why would a school like a Ramapo or a New Jersey City or whatever want to travel to Salisbury or Mary Washington or Christopher Newport to play, especially in the middle of winter, winter sports. I don't see that happening. Yes, they're members, a lot of them, in football, but that's a, a one once-a-week sport, and you're traveling those destinations once every two years. So the NJAC, let's remove that. The ODAC's out. That's a private school uh, conference. The Landmark's out, private school conference. The AEC's out for two reasons. It's a private school conference, and Marymount and Wesley left get away from them they're not inviting them into their into their new home the mac commonwealth's just too big i and i don't see it happening uh there's enough kerfuffle with stevenson in there coming from the cac 
And again, do you see any public schools? After you, Florham's about the only one. That's not even a public school. So that's out. The landmark's not going to take these three. Again, Goucher and Catholic had left the CAC for a lot of these reasons. So the CAC, and by the way, USA South is out of the conversation too. Christopher Newport left that for good reason. They're not taking them in. Furthermore, and that's transitions to the USA South, USA South's too big. It's way too big. I was told Southern Virginia was going to enter the USA South when the USA South split. There has been talk for a couple of years. Initially, I thought the split would be Northern schools who were getting tired of the Southern travel banding together. That's where I saw Southern Virginia fitting in. There's a lot of football schools there and then a Southern branch. The last year, year and a half, I've been told, well, let's say year, the split's going to be basically the old Great, uh, great Southern Athletic Conference, the GSAC, is going to basically reform with its former members, plus some of the new schools in the USA South, the Fifers and those, and then the North, and then the old USA South will kind of reform as its original self. That said, it's that's that's a very generic version of what could happen. Southern Virginia, I think, would be in the USA South, not the GSAC. So there could be some differences there. Some of the USA South members might be in the GSEC. So I'm not I'm not perfect in that analogy, but that's basically what I'm told. And I checked on it. That is still the thought. So Southern Virginia coming to the USA South tells me one of two things. That split announcement may be coming soon. Or it's been put on hold and they needed to get Southern Virginia in or Southern Virginia needed to get in. And that will happen. And then the split will come somewhere down the road. But the USA South may, is most likely still going to split. Yes, you could still argue some of those CAC members could step in. But again, the USA South was getting tired of Christopher Newport. Why would they bring them back in? You got to remember that. Now, by the way, the SAA is an option. I know I've been told in field hockey that the three remaining members of the CAC are talking to SAA about a, a, a basically a joint conference or whatever you want to, whatever the terminology you want to call it. It's probably the SAA conference that runs things, but the three schools would join the SAA for field hockey. A lot going on. So let's jump back to the NIAC now. Um, everyone sees this as another school added. Let's remember in the NIAC, they lose three members next year. They're going to lose Co Cobleskill, SUNY IT to the NAC, and they're going to use Kiuka to the Empire 8. That's not all they're going to miss. Um, they're going to eventually, I believe, from what I'm learning, Lancaster Bible will be leaving that conference at some point in time for a conference nearby. Uh, I know Lancaster Bible has been looking for several years, didn't exactly get ahead of themselves. I think they could have left sooner, but they will leave. Um, that's going to leave far less schools. I think it gets it down to eight, doesn't solve problems. Wells is teetering. Uh, they are in financial trouble, just like Wesley is. You don't know the status of them. I don't know the status of Morrisville State. Morrisville State originally, I think, was in the plans to go the NAC. But to be honest with you, Cobalt School and SUNY IT are done playing with Morrisville State, they're, they're done with them. Kind of like everyone's done with Salisbury and Catholic. So you don't see now um, a future. I don't know where Morrisville State goes. There's still talk that there's a that the privates in New York could still end up in the Empire 8 or in the Liberty. I'll be blunt. I have heard rumor for a year more now that there's privates in the New York State in the AMCC are fed up and want to do something too. That is, I don't have as many close sources on that. It, it may have stalled, but that is still, I think, something to consider. There's a lot of what-ifs, and there's a lot of okays, but there's also a lot of absolutely nots. Um, so as much as St. Mary's goes into the NEAC and it feels like the NEAC might be stronger, I think the NEAC's going to contract a bit, to be blunt. Maybe St. Mary stems the tide of them being worried about falling apart. Um, 
by the way, there's one poster always posts that the Penn States that aren't four-year colleges are going to eventually change this into four-year colleges or those who aren't really in the NCAA will come into the NCAA and a Penn State League will be founded. I cannot tell you how many times I have looked into that and gotten nowhere with that one. I've been told in no uncertain terms that is not in anywhere in the near future, maybe in 10 years, but I don't even think that. So at least the NEAC doesn't have to worry about losing its group of Penn State schools. So there's a lot of pieces going on here. There's going to be more movement. I, there's one person who told me they felt the NEAC could get to 10 or 12. I'll be blunt. I don't see it. I don't, I don't know where that's going to happen. The only possibility is they absorb part of the ACAA. But again, where and who? I don't think that's a, a reasonable option. So these pieces put the CAC now down to three schools in 2021-22, so 21-22 season. They now need to find an option. And I've been been saying stay in Pool B, you'll be fine. Again, Harrisburg started pulling the thread. It's now unraveling because Southern Virginia and and, uh, St. Mary's announced this week that they are leaving for two different respective conferences. But again, I still think there's pieces in play here that are going to move. I think the NEAC's got some pieces that are going to still move. I think you're going to see, you might see some moves out of in the landmark, believe it or not. Um, I think they talked about expansion a few years ago, and I think that should have been a move they made. They didn't. There's a risk there. Um, the CSAC may grow. Um, there's still pieces that could move. USA South has pieces that may move. So this is not done. So the, mo- the the creation of the Landmark Conference 12 years ago is still being felt, and we're going to continue to feel it. By the way, we haven't even gotten to the Mayak and St. Thomas, but I'm looking at the clock and realizing, wow, we're out of time. But we will talk about the Mayak and St. Thomas before we end tonight. I promise you that. Promise you that. I got wind of some news about St. Thomas. I did some homework on that. I've got an update on that. The Mayak, the McAllister's president, spoke out. I'll be blunt. He shouldn't have spoken out. What he ended up saying is even worse. Um, and we will get into that near the end of the show. Did you catch all that? Because there'll be a test. I'm sure there are questions. I'm sure. Listen, I will give you the best answers that I have, but I don't have all the answers. The challenge is you've got state schools now in Mary Washington, uh, Christopher Newport, and Salisbury, mostly except for Salisbury Honor Colleges like St. Mary's, that can't get into private school conferences. They're not going to change their charter. The NEAC's the only possibility, and I do not see the NEAC accepting the other three because if they would have accepted the other three, they would have accepted them already. And by the way, I know that Christopher Newport, Mary Washington, and Salisbury have been denied by other conferences. They've got to do their due diligence and sign up for those other conferences, but those conferences have said no. This gets really interesting. By the way, questions about D2. I already know that D2 is probably not on the radar of most of these schools. One, because of the money it takes. And two, they're in no man's land, especially Salisbury. No man's land in the landscape of D2. It is not a good fit for those schools to move to D2. And I don't think they have any interest. I don't think that's the type of um, future they want for their schools. With that, we'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get into our coaching interviews. We'll talk about the Mayak and the UST before we get off this show. But coming up, Albion women's basketball coach Doreen Carden will join us to talk about her team. I will most likely be answering your questions along the way about everything we just talked about at the top of the show. And Dan, you're right. Stevens Point got exposed by Bethel. It's why I'm not voting for the pointers in the top 25. I kind of saw a game like Bethel coming. You can argue whether I should have voted for them and removed them. I don't like that if I kind of feel that's coming.
and they did get exposed. We'll take a break. When we come back, well, plenty more Hoopsville, that's for sure. You're listening to Hoopsville, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. If you've got questions for us, email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Tweet us at D3Hoopsville or the hashtag Hoopsville, and we'll try and figure out why Facebook won't start up. All of that ahead. Back with more. Football has taught me a lot throughout my life. It's definitely had a huge imprint on who I am as a person. Competing at a Division III level created that opportunity for me to go to college. Not only was I the first one in my family to graduate college, but I was really the first one to even go. Being the first one, I'm breaking that cycle, and, and now that I've graduated, I'm not sure what's the next step, but I know I have a lot of doors open. And a lot of those are open because I played football and ran track here at Otterbein. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. For the love of the game, but for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that, a lot more. Sure, the game is important, but as we work so hard to build both mind and body, it's more about team. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. And in giving the gift of sport to those for whom it seemed an impossible dream, we are working to make this a better world. Help us keep that dream alive. You can make a difference. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student-athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the Presidential Scholarship, which was huge for me. 
think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division Three. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. Welcome back to Hoopsville. I'm Julie Folks, head coach at Transylvania University and member of the Women's Basketball Coaches Association. Hope you enjoy the show. Now back to Dave. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. So lots to talk about, obviously, in Division Three, and we've been covering it. We will try and get to your answers or questions as we go throughout the show regarding what we tackle. And again, a reminder, we haven't forgotten about the Mayak, McAllister's president, and of course, St. Thomas's future. We will get to all that, I promise you, uh, as we get further down uh, in the show and get back to those topics. All right, so let's talk about teams who are off to good starts and certainly getting our attention as well. Albion women's basketball is 8-0, best start since 2016. I think in the tweet I said 2003. Actually, it might be 2003. It's one of those things where we have so many teams off to good starts. It all kind of melds together. The point being, Albion's back in the conversation, receiving votes in the top 25 at d3hoops.com, and that's a good reason to get Doreen Carden on the show. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the head coach. It is Doreen, and it is Carden. Coach, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time and having some fun with us, too. Um, first and foremost, congratulations. Listen, two, it, ain't no in any year is nothing to shake a stick at. It is the best you guys have been since 2003, which is a whole other topic on, unto itself. Did you expect to have a, this good a season out of the gate? Did you expect to have at least a good season? I mean, where was your expectations entering the season? Well, I mean, we were expecting to have a, a good season. I mean, we finished the last three years. We've been pretty decent. Yeah. That's a good record. Um, but, I mean, we, we kind of have a mixed bag of upperclassmen and some young kids. So, I mean, easily, I mean, we probably could, you know, be five and three right now. But uh, <laughs> with the freshmen, but I mean, I'm happy to be eight now and kind of excited to be where we're at right now. Uh, yeah. By the way, you guys have this weird coincidence in the last three years you've been 18 and eight every sure. year <laughs> the only difference was you're 11 and 5 in the mia and 17 and 18 and last year 10 and 6 so that was the only change to that if it, it felt like deja vu to some degree is that a good thing to always be that consistent or was it getting a little bit frustrating a, a little of both um you know and i think i think this year we have two really good seniors uh and evelyn wishmeyer and emily burnus who as freshmen started for us. So they're four-year starters for us. Both of them are all league kids. Both of them are on track to be a thousand point scorers. But I think they've really, their freshman year really started that change and got us kind of back on the map a little bit. Um, and then we also have a junior post player in Rain Hinton, who as last year as a sophomore was in a first team all league kid as well. And she's on track to be in probably all time league score and rebounder here. So having those three kids and then being part of those 18 and eight seasons, um, you know, I think that you know, being upperclass and being seniors and juniors, I think I think they're ready for a change and trying to kind of get over that hump in our conference. Getting over the hump in that conference is saying something because you have not only Hope and Calvin, who've been so good for so many years, but oh, by the way, entering the fray recently too has been some <laughs> others like Trine, uh, just to make for life sure. a little bit more interesting. They went undefeated last year in the season, and Alma certainly is there. You guys finished third last year. Yep. What's it? What's it like to compete in the MIAA and know on any given night, not only are you, could you be in it, but you also could be out of it? For sure. I mean, you know, all those teams that you said, I mean, it's so tough. Our conference is so good. And I mean, every year, you know, we're going and 
people are ranked in the top 25 and you know we always have two um some of your three teams in the um, NCAA tournament so we're always battling at battle and I mean it's not many teams can say they're playing these teams you know twice a year and maybe three times in the tournament so I mean great opportunities obviously but yeah it's kind of just I mean any given day you're right and, you know a lot of those teams at the bottom like once you get in the league everybody obviously the mindset changes and everybody's out to get you kind of thing so our league is really competitive, um, and you know we've had some really, really good teams um, the last few years, that's for sure. Well, not only really competitive, you guys are part of the reason it's really competitive, but you still <laughs> have been flying a little bit under the radar, to be blunt. Um, for sure. Is, that can be a good thing, but can it also be, a, back to the last question, a frustration? It is. It's a little, yeah, again, a little bit of both. And it's, again, like I said, trying to get over that hump, and, you know, um, you know both trying to hope, obviously, had some really good kids, and and I think Trident won the last three years. So, I mean, having different people, obviously, win the conference, too, is, is pretty good. Parity, FIC, in our league. But, yeah, it is a little bit frustrating. And I think the seniors and the juniors um, on our team, uh, you know, maybe think, hey, maybe this is a year for us. Because, you know, obviously, some of those schools graduate some kids, which is always nice when those kids are gone. Yeah. <laughs> and it kind of opens up the door. You know, not that they're not good. They're always, you know, not even rebuilding. They're always got more kids. But I think it maybe gives us a little bit more of hope to, to you know, maybe get to that point. No pun intended. Uh, that's too easy. Hopes in the darn conference. That's too easy to use that one. Um, you have winning seasons 14 in the last 18 years you've been there. This is your 19th season running the Brits program. You've certainly seen a lot of things change. What's been the biggest thing that's changed in the conference or with your team and the way you've approached things? I think for us, um, you know, it's, a lot of it's obviously the kids. You know, I could say coaching so much, but we got to bring in good kids. And I, you know, I go back to having good kids that, you know, started us back four years ago. And, you know, as freshmen, they come in and don't know much and don't know any different. So they're, you know, they don't know really the trines, the hopes, and they're just kind of going in there. And, you know, and I think they're, they've done a good job of getting us where we're at. Um, but there's a lot of, again, a lot more parity, I think, within the conference. Um, a lot of those teams, a lot of our teams in our conference have, um, new coaches, younger coaches, and they're doing a great job recruiting. So I think it's only going to get tougher. So I notice again, a lot more competition amongst everybody. And like I said, a lot more teams are going to be in the running for um, league conference championship. That's for sure. Makes it, it makes it interesting, but it also makes it tough. If you, we've seen conferences where they uh, quote unquote, eat themselves a little bit, you know, beat each other up. Uh, yeah. you, you sacrifice sometimes the at large bids Does that put pressure mm -hmm. on what you're doing out of conference as a result. I mean, a little bit. <laughs> it's just so tough, you know. It's, you know, you try to schedule a tough non-conference, but you're also, like, you know, you're going to see a lot of those. Our schedule is going to be tough because we've got so many good teams in our conference. So, I mean, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. And we'll talk about the team individually in a moment, but just looking at the schedule, you got a win over Case Western Reserve to start in Ohio Wesleyan. Second game, the big one, I think, is Marietta in that third game. Marietta's been this team that's kind of emerged in that Great Lakes region as well. And you got a nice uh, uh, eight-point victory there. Um, and then the win over Alma to start conference play. Those are at least two of the wins that jumped out at me. Is there more to the story there? Or what's what's leading to this 8-0 start? Um, I mean, honestly, like I said, like early on in that first tournament, I mean, we have, like I said, a mixed bags. We have some upperclassmen. We're playing a lot of young kids, and we're also playing some sophomores that didn't play a lot. So, I mean, again, I wasn't sure how the season would go. Um, and for us to pull out, you know, we've obviously got to get a lot better. And, you know, I had a lot of turnovers in those games and still managed to win, which kind of says a lot about our team, too. Um, 
I think we overcame. I think we averaged 30 turnovers each one of those each game. I think <laughs> when we were playing in that tournament, which wasn't pretty for no. sure. But again, to still come out and win, I mean, was again pretty happy with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are the OEC obviously playing Marietta. I thought that was a great win. Ohio Wesleyan then goes the next day and beats Trine, which was again yeah. for us. I was thinking, okay, that's a good win then for us. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy. But again, like I said, some of those games could have gone either way for us. Of course, you got hope ahead. Uh, that game coming yeah. up on Saturday at their place, which is always tough. And then you'll be home mm-hmm. against Kalamazoo before getting a break. Is there pressure on the Hope game? Is there? I mean, what kind of expectations do you have coming in realistically? And and can you keep the team in that kind of realistic mindset? For sure. It's, you know, everyone's like, oh, you know, it's a big game, both undefeated. But I feel like, you know, every game for us, especially in the league, is always a big game. You know, it just happens that we're playing Hope, and we always play them early. Um, I don't know why, but it's how it happens <laughs> to be. Always this time. Um, and again, I think it's good because both of us, obviously, it's early in the season. I don't know if we're all, you know, playing our best basketball. You know, I just know, you know, we're going to go in there, we're going to compete, and we're going to have fun with it. It's, you know, an opportunity for us to play somebody that's obviously, you know, top five right now and getting votes. Um first place vote so i think yeah i don't know if we really change much i think we go in there and and we we play some good basketball and we just compete against them you guys will then travel to texas uh ut Ta- dallas to be specific you'll take on De- texas dallas on the 29th and then concordia texas what do you hope to gain out of that trip yeah i mean i'm you know taking trips over christmas is always nice um hopefully it's going to be a lot warmer which is going to be <laughs> nice that's one of the things um but you know, we're playing UT Dallas, too, who, again, was top 25, and I don't know if they're still getting votes, but another good program. So I think for us, again, traveling um, out of the Midwest and seeing some teams in the South, I think that's good for us, too, um, for people to see us. Uh, and again, again, I mean, it's going to be two good games down there for us, but I think just kind of getting that exposure a little bit and for other, us to see other teams outside the Midwest is definitely good for us. All right, let's talk about this team. Uh, two seniors on it. You've got three yep. juniors. Uh, yep. two of them playing in every game, one of them playing in half. And then you mentioned yep. it's, it's freshman pretty heavy. Uh, as you got two sophomores and the rest is freshman. You're led by a junior and rain hitting at 15 and a half points a game. Uh, she's also pulling down eight rebounds a game to lead the squad. Lena Walker is your freshman second on the team at 14 yep. plus points a game. And, uh, Evelyn Wishmeyer, the senior at yep. 11 points a game. And we'll mention the other senior too, Emily, uh, Bernas at eight points Bernice. a game. Bernas, apologize. Bernas. Yep at eight points a game. That's kind of the core four without leaving anybody out uh, necessarily. What, and by the way, Welker, four, four assists a game, not too shabby there either. No. What's it about that group? Obviously a freshman and Welker stepping in, but what's it about the other three, especially that's clicking so well? Yeah. And like I said, you know, these kids started as freshmen, all of them. So, I mean, they've got a ton of experience. They've been through it. They've played, you know, those big games and tough games. So I feel like, you know, they're definitely our core. And we're really fortunate to have Elena, I mean, have a freshman start for us at point and do what she's doing. We didn't have that in the past, so her putting up numbers definitely helps us, that's for sure. Gives us um, more balance. Um, so that's kind of like the big four for us. And then, like you said, we have a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores. Um, Depth-wise, is a little bit deeper than we were in the past. So hopefully, again, those last few years we finished 18-8, we didn't have much depth. So hopefully this year, I guess that will also, you know, come into a factor for us. You're outscoring your opponents by nearly 20 points a game, uh, out-rebounding them by 13 rebounds a game, and you're still shooting you know, 45.9% from the floor, 32% from beyond the arc. The only blemish I see is free throws at, thir- at 
Is that a, is that typical what this team's going to do? Can they keep this kind of statistical um, advantages up the rest of the season? Are they, or is this maybe just early season stuff and we'll see where the chips lay? No, I think um, we've kind of changed our style the last few years where we're trying to, you know, push the ball up more. we press a lot more. So I think we're causing, you know, I mean, get more opportunities to score more possessions. So we've been scoring pretty high the last few years because of what we've been doing. Um, if we can keep it going great, I mean, we might obviously adjust game to game on things, but I mean, it's something that we've been doing the last three to four years. So that's kind of what we do. Well, coach, I'm pretty impressed with the start. Obviously you got some challenges ahead of you, um, yep. but, but you know, still eight no is nothing to shake a stick at. And it's certainly a, a great way to kind of set the tempo or set the, um, the expectations, I should say. Uh, if if you go, what's the message though going in uh, to the team? If we were in the locker room, what would we we hear you telling them against hope? To have fun. Okay. <laughs> like I said, I mean it's a good opportunity for us to go against somebody you know that's you know where they've been and you know top five and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I mean I think our kids just need to go out and compete and continue to play the way we've been playing. You know, it's no different than playing anybody else to be honest. So I don't want to treat it as like, oh my gosh, this is like the game that's going to define us kind of thing. But I know, you know, we're going to find out after Saturday, you know, how we really are. So it's going to, you know, show us one way or the other, but we're definitely excited. Like I said, for the opportunity to play them and play in that atmosphere and playing at their place. Well, I appreciate the time you took to join us and chat about it. Uh, I know it's uh, a fun time for you guys and uh, look, good luck. Not only against Hope, but the rest of the season. We'll uh, look forward to keep an eye on the Britons. Keep Jody in line for me, if you don't mind. I will. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate that. You never know. Sometimes he goes rogue. Uh, <laughs> as always, we have a tradition on the show. We give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you'd like to share with those who may be tuned in? No, I just want to say thank you. It's been awesome to be on the show. You know, I feel like I finally made it big after 19 years. <laughs> we should have so gotten you sooner. <laughs> Well, coach, thanks no, so okay. thanks so much. But I, I'm I'm sorry your goals are so low. I, I, I <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> Got to get my name right. I know, sure. right? Yeah, no. that darn tweet. Uh, I I still don't know. I think I just wasn't paying attention. Probably, probably. Actually, I I'm pretty sure I wasn't paying attention. Coach, take care of yourself. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, happy holidays. Yeah, you too. Thanks again. I appreciate all you do. Well, thank you, coach. Take care. Thank you too. Bye. Doreen Carton joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, the tweet went out, and it and the Instagram went out, and the picture says Carton. But for some reason, I wrote Carter. I don't know if it was a, an autocorrect issue, though I'm not, not the computer I was using. It might have just been me not thinking as I wrote out the tweet uh, and then copied it in an Instagram. So, uh, again, ain't no. Not too bad. 1-0 in conference. Big game, though, Saturday. At Hope. Granted, they get that one back at home, but it's not till the end of January. Um, and then at home against Kalamazoo, even if they start the conference two and one and they're 10 and one or nine and one heading to the holiday break into Texas, that's not too shabby. Texas, Dallas on the other side, not having the season. I think a lot of us expected them to have Polly Thomason usually has a really good squad. They've lost to Wheaton in Chicago and Austin. Uh, they got Trinity, Texas coming up on Sunday, but don't be surprised if they uh, come back from Puerto Rico for their tournament and they're uh, clicking on all cylinders. So should be a good test for the Brits coming up. We'll take a break. When we come back, uh, our next women's coach will jump to the number one team in the country. Tufts women's basketball. We'll talk about being number one in basketball and being a new coach for the Jumbos. You'll listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. More Hoopsville when we get back.
being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, and make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us to be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us, to, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to Hoopsville. If you've got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville 
at d3hoops.com or join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash hoops. we finally got the Facebook live simulcast up. I finally figured out the problem. This guy, what has two thumbs, can't seem to figure out how to put all the information in correctly when he's setting up the show. This guy. We're on this new great platform with Blueframe technology, and I cannot help the, uh, I cannot thank the guys enough there, but it's just the little things on my end that I just can't seem to figure out on a nightly basis. It's because, well, I'm not going to get in the weeds, but I mean, I need an assistant who knows what they're doing. I know my son wants to assist. He hasn't up to speed yet, but maybe the pressure's on to get him further up to speed. I don't know. We will see. All right, so if you're on Facebook and joining us, I'm going to apologize now because, well, you missed all the talk we had about the CAC, the USA South, the NEAC, the, and, and, and everything in between going on with conference shuffling. I'll try and recap it at the end if there's interest. But in the meantime, we'll move on. New number one team in women's basketball. It is the Tufts Jumbos. I don't think that's an overall shock. Tufts has been in the top five most of the last number of years. I think the big thing, though, if you are a... Um, if you are a fan of Division Three basketball, it's the fact that they're number one without Carla Berube. Carla Berube got a D1 job, one of five Division Three coaches who jumped straight to D1. And all five of them, I would say all five of them, at least four of them, rightly so. Jill Pace takes over the program. Of course, Jill Pace knows Tufts Jumbo's basketball, not because she graduated from there, but because, well, <laughs> she's a Bowdoin grad. Of course, she knows the program. Oh, by the way, did you see who's in the top five in the D3Hoops.com top 25? Oh, Bowden. So this is interesting. I had to ask. I had to find a chance to talk to Jill Pace. So joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. It's the head coach, the number one ranked Jumbos of Tufts, and it is head coach Jill Pace. And coach, thanks for taking the time. Thanks for having me, Dave. Um, happy to help you with your Facebook if you need it, too. Oh, thank you. Good. <laughs> I'll give you a call. Uh, okay. Or any of the players. I, I could use yeah, the assistance. Better them, probably. Um, yeah, fair. <laughs> fair. I'll give you that, too. Um, well, first, let's let's back up the ship a little bit. Let's first congratulate you on getting the job. Um, I remember texting Carla when she left, and, and I joke with every coach who leaves Division Three for Division <laughs> One. We can go to those who've left for Bucknell. They've gotten these messages from me. Um, coach who left for Pepperdine, great campus, I'd understand, but still, <laughs> I will text them and say, you're now dead to me um, because they have left. But this is a great opportunity for Carla. No one's surprised she took it. Were you surprised that the job opened, and how much were you waiting for that kind of opportunity? Uh, I, I, I guess I go both ways. I don't. I could could have seen it going either way. Obviously, Carla is an amazing coach, and um, you know, totally earned that opportunity. Um, I was. I definitely wasn't waiting for it. Um, I, you know, was in the midst of a awesome rebuild at Pomona Pitcher yeah. and loved it there and loved Southern California. Um, <laughs> Who doesn't, really, right? uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, but really a, a great opportunity. I'm also from the Northeast. My, my whole family is here and, um, you know, the Tufts program, the history, um, the success, the institution academically as well, really kind of matched me and, and what I was looking for. So it was more about those opportunities and actually looking to leave. Well, let's also talk about the fact I hinted at the Pepperdine job. That was Kristen Dowlin, yeah. uh, who, oh, yeah. was, who was head coach at Claremont Mud Scripps. She's a graduate of Redlands. She actually went to school with my brother, and, and she and I you know, converse all the time. Wow. I was looking forward to seeing her at the D3Hoops.com Classic. But that's, I think we lost, we lost three coaches this year to D1 who are all at the D3Hoops.com Classic this year. We'll talk about that later. 
but she leaves for that. So CMS also opens up. I don't remember the mm-hmm. order here. I think Tufts opened first, correct? Uh, yes, yes. But let's just say it, it happened at the same time. Is, is the pull to get back to the Northeast going to be more interesting, especially to take over the Jumbos, than it is maybe to take over for Dowling at CMS? Oh, good question, Dave. Uh, the Thank you. The rivalry over there. Yeah, I get uh, one every five years. <laughs> That's a tough question with a six street rivalry. Um, I know. You know, I, I was. <laughs> I, I love Pomona pitchers, so I think you know. In that, in that, with that question, I would have to say a Pomona pitcher. But um, you know, it, it's it's hard to to think about that opportunity when it wasn't really on the table. Sure. No, and I realize yeah. it's it's a bit of a what if uh, hypothetical. Yeah. Um, again, you get pulled to the Northeast. I, I remember the initial reaction when I saw that you had been hired by Tufts. My first thought was. Wow, you don't see many, you know, West Coast coaches jump into the number one team in the country. And that wasn't because of you. It was just my head was, oh, yeah, Pomona Pitzer. I had to remind myself, oh, Bowden, mm-hmm. oh, Northeast. Okay, that makes logical sense. But to be honest, that job had to have been highly sought after. What is it that you think you bring to the table that enticed Tufts to bring you on board to take over? Yeah, I think, I think a few different things. Um, me being an assistant there, I, I think help just kind of understanding the program and, sure. um, you know, having coached with Carla and, um, you know, just having followed them for the past few years, even when I wasn't coaching there. Um, and I also, you know, I'm super competitive. I <laughs> want to win games and, you know, do it in the right way. But I think that's a, that's a big part of it as well. Um, we had a lot of success in a short period of time um, at Pomona Pitzer as well, sure. which I'm sure helped. Um, but I think probably the combination of those things, uh, having played in the NASCAC, um, knowing the conference pretty well, um, then, and, you know, I'll learn it, relearn it, um, in the coming, <laughs> coming months for sure. But I think probably a combination of all those things. And again, and, and just inside politics, uh, or inside baseball, as they say, you know, you've still got your 207 number. Um, that's right. Which I think my brother held on to for a long time too, after going out there to the West, but, um, you clearly have your roots here. You know how good this Tufts program is, what it's nearly done, and what it has done over the last whatever years under Carla Bruby, but especially the last five to ten. Does that mean there's extra pressure on you coming in and taking this program over and now the new number one ranking adding to that? Or do you think you get a, a little bit of latitude as, as you get used to the players, the players get used to you, and, and so on and so forth? I mean, I'd like to think there's no latitude for that. Um, okay. I think we're we're really focused on the day by day. So um, you know, it's it's our responsibility to to not let if it if there is pressure to not let it get to us. Um, I think in a lot of ways, teams create their own pressure um, on themselves, and so you know, letting that outside stuff stay on the outside and we're focused right now on the next game and you know actually the team is probably focused on their finals right now not mm-hmm. the next game so i think um in that sense kind of you know like i said that pressure is created by us so as much as we can stay focused on you know next game and our game goals um that will that helps relieve that this team has has kind of walked to the line and tried to dance and not been able to fully dance necessarily in a number of years, um, the it's 21 seasons are synonymous with this program. 31 seasons have happened a number of times. Last year it was the semifinals. The year before that, 
Uh, it was shockingly the second round to your alma mater. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Sweet 16 to, or Elite 8 to your alma mater. I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> Amherst, of course, has had their number in the crazy game back in 2017, ended the season. Thomas Moore has done it more times than not, especially in Indianapolis. Is there pressure building with this program that, come on, we know we can, we can always get there. We can never take a bite of the apple, and we need to bite that apple. Sure, maybe, maybe on the back burner. I think you know, and there's a lot of excitement in tough athletics in general with um, oh, yeah. the soccer team. You know, winning the national championships and so many teams competing for um, in the final four and for national championships. And I think you know that's more motivation for us than anything. That was, um, I think. Well, that was where I was yeah. going next. Was you know the men and I was down. I've now called three their last three national championships. They've won three of four, um, four in six years. Uh, you've also got other programs that have certainly stepped up and won some national titles. On top of that, uh, men's lacrosse, everything's kind of emerged since since 2010. Does that add? You were kind of hinting at. Does is that actually adding pressure? That hey, you know, women's soccer or women's basketball or men's basketball, whatever, come join the party. Yeah, I mean, I think there's definitely a come join the party aspect to it. But you know, when you're you're coaching, you try to, like I said earlier, focus on what's next. Um, you know, this team has, has had a piece of that, uh, or has it has had a taste of that. Sure. Um, and I was there in Indianapolis and, you know, got a taste of it myself. Yeah. Um, Heck of so an experience. Think, you know, all the other teams, I can tell you that teams feed off each other in a big way. Yeah. Um, at Tufts, our team was there to greet the men's soccer team when they, they got back on Sunday. Um, so there's just kind of a lot of, motivation going on between all the teams um and yeah i certainly think that that impacts us but we try to um you know when that if that point comes um you know focus on it then but there's a long way to go um before (laughs) march and you know obviously we would like to be there but there's a lot that has to happen before then yeah there's okay so there's a lot (laughs) come on it's not that it's tomorrow it's definitely tomorrow uh i kid obviously um but again taking over this program knowing the conference a bit knowing Bowden obviously you know Amherst you know what GP Gramacki is going to bring to the table you you know how other things are going to play into it that's got to certainly make the transition easier but is there a is there a point that you can be overconfident or over experienced or over you know know too much about what's going on yeah probably um I honestly feel like I like I said earlier am relearning a little bit Um, you know, I've been following for sure Amherst and Bowdoin, um, and kind of know what they're all about, but it's kind of exciting to, to go into those games with, you know, a little bit of freshness, um, to watching film, having not, you know, coached in the NASCAC or been playing for a few years now. So, um, you know, that helps. So, you know, I don't, I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to watch the film and, um, you know, knowing them from the past certainly helps, but, um, like I said, it's going to be a fresh start for sure with the film. Forgive me. I, I don't know if this lines up. Were you under Coach Pemper at Bowden? No. So, uh, Adrian. She had already left, for, right? Um, yeah. So, okay. Coach Tribal's first year was my first year. Okay. 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 Yeah. I was trying to remember. I, I, I call Navy games. And so I know, um, you know, that, know that history, but I couldn't remember if it was that long ago or not when you were up there. Of course, four NCAA tournament berths as a player. By the way, I'm fascinated. Sociology and gender and women's studies at Bowdoin, and yeah. you're and you're a coach. 
Um, I can get how you can use some of that maybe in your coaching. Oh, all of it, Dave. Oh, all of it. That's kind of where I wanted to go. I wanted to know how much can you use of that major while, while doing psychology. I get it. Coach Tower at, 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 uh, at St. At, um, St. Thomas, we talk about it all the time, but sociology and gender and women's studies. That's fascinating. How do you use it? It translates perfectly. I mean, it's all about social relationships and how people get along and kind of social norms and things like that, which plays into to coaching all the time. Um, and the gender and women's studies piece is, is definitely more specific to women, um, which helps when you're coaching a women's team. Course, sure. So. I mean, my, my alma mater has a women's studies program, but I would be, I'll be honest. I don't think any of them would have, I don't think their direction with their women's studies program would, would lead to a very good ga- a coach. I, I do think, I just mean it's a different direction. Is yeah, what I mean. No, I can see that. It's just a different, a different point of view. I think at my alma mater, but, um, it's certainly fascinating that 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 psychology part of it, or as you the sociology part of it, um, how is how has it helped you? As is there any specific examples you can give us of how it's helped you as a coach? Well, I just think you know sociology is all about looking at how people relate to each other and the study of human relationships. And you know, in order to have a great team, the the first part of that is team culture and relationships on your team, and knowing how to navigate those and knowing you know, what to do with the team outside of the on-court things, like, you know, what conversations you're having and what team bonding activities you're having, I think all relates to that and kind of, you know, to be a little philosophical, how humans are kind of interacting and getting along in general. Mm, fascinating. I could talk more about it, but we'll talk about your team. Yeah, we, we should probably talk offline about oh, that. Oh, yeah, we'll talk more time. <laughs> the but listeners are getting bored. I want to hear the, I want to hear more about the team. Erica, DeCandio is uh, leading the way, the senior, 14-plus points a game. No surprise there. Eight and a half rebounds. No surprise there. By the way, three assists on top of that uh, and two and a half steals. Certainly contributing in many ways. Molly Ryan, a sophomore, and Sophia Rosa, a sophomore, both in double digits. Emily Briggs, a junior, I mean, a shade under double digits, along with uh, Kaylin Harrington, a senior in those categories. Those are really the, the five big names that jump out at you. Uh, Sadie Otley, I know, is starting. Uh, not putting up necessarily double-figure numbers, but certainly two and a half assists a game, two steals a game, is helping. What is it about that core group that's working so well this season and and working so well with a coaching change? To be blunt, yeah, um, I think you know you point out the assists of a couple of our players, especially Erica. We're averaging 19 assists per game, um, which I think is is a testament to the team and the way they share the ball. Um, uh, defensively, it's you know it's one unit, and you know it, it helps that for many years. Um, They've been working on their defense and, you know, long for me. Um, so I think that helps. And then offensively, they've been really starting to come together in these past couple games, um, especially in transition and with our high-low game. So I think things are things are starting to click. Um, but I just, yeah, pointing out the assists and the rebounds, um, you know, our team just gets after it. Uh, that was, you know, when I, I first stepped into practice, one of the things I turned to, to our assistant and said is just, wow, this team is tough and just goes hard at during every play. Um, and it translates directly to the court for them. Uh, what is the message at this point? Because you're out to this good start at 8-0. You've got a bit of a break, though. You just got past Bridgewater State rather easily, 80-31. to And really, you haven't had a close game except for Brandeis, which was uh, 81-77. And to quote some, mm-hmm. it came down to a rebound. You have this break, and then you head off to Stevens, where you'll take on Christopher Newport and TCNJ on the other side of Christmas. So what's the message to the team as they go through finals, 
Uh, they go through the euphoria of the soccer team winning a championship um, and, and get and step off the court. Essentially, what, what do you how do you keep them kind of focused on what you need them to be doing on the 28th? Yeah, we, we talk a lot about different chapters of the season. And, um, you know, we've got before Thanksgiving and then we've got in between Thanksgiving and, and this break. And now we're on this break and it's, you know, a lot of intrinsic motivation for our players. Um, it's, you know, they're studying for finals and focusing on that. Um, and, you know, our message is you don't want to come to practice on December 26th, hoping that you did more in these past, in these last two weeks. And, you know, we can't, we're not monitoring that. So it's, it's, you know, on them. And I think together they kind of understand that that's really important to keep us going. And yeah, being excited to go down to Stevens and play two great teams, um, that will be two really good tests for us. Um, but I think right now they're, they're focused on what they're doing at school and then kind of getting after it in the weight room and in the gym before we get back to practice. Well, I really appreciate the time. Um, thanks so much for that. By the way, uh, if you're looking for games, you should know from being out there in uh, Skyak country, but also mm-hmm. being a, a member of the uh, uh, of the NESCAC, who have members who travel out there. There's this D3Hoops.com classic event uh, that takes place all the time in Vegas uh, between Christmas and New Year's. We'd love to have you. Awesome. Uh, Thanks, Dave. We'll you, check it out. Yeah, you should. You should. I mean, Amherst, G- GP's going there all the time now. Uh, I promise <laughs> Vegas you. Vegas is the place to be. You won't play him. But we'll, we'll make sure. <laughs> unless the conference approves, then we have no problems with that. Okay. Uh, but uh, good luck the rest of the way this season. Really appreciate it. Um, I appreciate the time as well. We have a tradition on the show. We always uh, in, have the guests give the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? No, just thanks to you, Dave. Um, you know, it's awesome the support you give for D3 athletics in general, especially basketball. Um, you know, we appreciate it. I love D3. Um, so thanks for all you do to support us. Well, thank you. And, and I appreciate everybody like yourself coming on the show. Otherwise, this is very, very hard to do. Uh, so I appreciate it. Happy holidays, and we'll talk to you soon. You as well. Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Bill Pace joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, uh, a little bit of a cross-country travels in our coaching career, but really great opportunity there to take over the Tufts program. I, I think it's a tremendous pickup there. She did great work at Pomona Pitzer. Uh, and listen, Sky had gotten co- competitive because of Dowling and Pace and some of the other coaches out there. Looking forward to seeing how that transitions now. Um, and what she can do with this Tufts program, which is now number one in the country. Again, they're off. They'll be back the 28th against Christopher Newport down there at Stevens, and then the 29th they'll play TCNJ. Come home, play Mass Dartmouth. That's a great New England game, and SUNY IT, that's another great game. Wheaton Mass, and then they'll get into conference play after that. Take a break. When we come back, we'll switch to men, and we'll stay in New England, and we'll stay in Boston area. We'll go to Babson, talk to their men's head coach, talk about what's going on with their program, and why uh, they have skyrocketed into the rankings and remain undefeated themselves. You listen to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what you have here tonight. That's what you've earned here tonight. 
This is your time. Now go out there and take it. It's on us. It's on all of us. And it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no look pass and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Division three allows you to give yourself to other things. Having that free time allows me to pursue the things that I want to pursue. Division III Athletics affords students the opportunity to, you know, engage in the other interests in their campus and in their lives outside of that sport. It allows you to just be able to do everything you want to do. How wouldn't change it for the world. I learned a lot of valuable lessons playing college football. I never thought about the health benefits of exercise until I actually started to talk to coaches in college. It's not only just for performance, it's for life. My coaches instilled the importance of well-being, not only building up strength, mental health, getting enough sleep, eating properly, it's all what it is to be healthy. I decided that I want to go on a personal trainer and share my knowledge that I obtained in college about physical and mental well-being. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody, on this Thursday evening, the uh, 12th of December. If you've got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com, and join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Lots of ways to interact with us. We hope you'll take advantage of them. Uh, Dave Del Palma wants to talk about Trinity women's basketball. They're eight, eight wins straight. Yep, Trinity off to a pretty good start, Dave. Uh, that NESCAC, though, is still going to be going through Amherst and Tufts, and Trinity's got a lot of things they're going to have to prove to themselves uh, that they can compete with those two teams for starters. Let's be honest, Trinity, uh, Trinity's start has been good. I mean, they lost Eastern Connecticut, beat Montclair, but I'm not going to take anything away from this. Montclair is a very beatable team this year. Beat Norwich and Coast Guard, New England College. New England College, I 
think had I can't remember how they started. Well, they're seven and three. That was in the middle of a three game slide for them. Um, beat Gordon. So I would be honest with you, beating Gordon and Sarah Lawrence, nothing I'm writing home about. Went over Stevens, pretty solid. We'll keep an eye on Emily's t- Emily Gardner's team. But that NESCAC is jam packed, man. That NESCAC is jam packed. And and what they're doing now is great. It's what they're doing in conference that's going to be more important as we keep an eye. Again, number one and number four team in the country, or number five team in the country is in that conference and our perennial Final Four favorites, even with a new head coach at Tufts, I think you've got to put them in the Final Four. We'll see what Trinity does with that. You know, it's nice to see maybe the NESCAC be more competitive, though. That's for sure on the women's side. Staying in New England, staying in the Boston area, which is just something we're doing today. It's not something we normally do. One of the other teams that jumped out to a tremendous start, 9-0 and on the season, is Babson. They've jumped up to the 14th ranked uh, in the latest D3Hoops.com top 25 in the men's side of things. Stephen Brennan clearly has a team that's clicking, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't know what to make of the squad. It's been a while since Joey Flannery took the floor for the Beavers, and, and it certainly worked out well with him. But what do we make of the team? What do we make of this start? Win over Amherst, which they seem to do every year. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline, it is the aforementioned head coach of the Babs and Beavers. It is Stephen Brennan. Coach, thanks for joining us once again on the show. Thanks for having me, Dave. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Uh, what, do we, what do we make of this? You guys are out to a 9-0 start. We're coming off of a 15-11 and year, which obviously followed the national, or sorry, 15-11 was two years ago. You know, championship was a few years before that. You guys have been in the new Mac race all the time, but this is a different team. So educate us. What what are we what are we missing about this uh, this squad and what you guys are doing? Yeah, you know, I think you know three great seniors. Um, we had a long talk, obviously, at the end of the season, and uh, last year we just felt we were not you know getting enough done on the defensive end, and we wanted to dictate play more defensively. And they and the rest of the team have bought into that, and it's put us in a really good place because we've been dictating a lot more with our defense as opposed to, you know, how it went last year. Well, defense certainly is a key. I think that was kind of what made your teams that won, you know, won the national championship and certainly had good runs before that certainly key. Uh, in the new Mac, you've got to play defense, right? Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot of challenges there, and every night's a challenge, and obviously it starts with Jake Ross, and, you know, he's having a tremendous year, and I think he's finally healthy, so I'm sure he is excited and has done a great job leading them to 7-1, and one, and, you know, I'm sure he's up for National Player of the Year, and rightly so, and, you know, WPI has everybody back, and, um, you know, uh, Emerson's defending champs, so there's a lot there at the top, but, you know, you can't look past Postcard was, you know, three terrific seniors, and you know, there's going to be a lot of tough nights in the new Mac, whether it's um, the aforementioned schools or you know, all the way through. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it seems synonymous that there's always a surprise result, at least from a national point of view, at some point late in the year in the new Mac, as you point out, Emerson last year rolling uh, to the top of that conference, which I think caught everybody off guard. Um, Springfield, you mentioned Ross back, that's great. WPI, etc. How do you prepare thus then for that conference? You you certainly go out there and you're not afraid to take on all comers to some degree, but how do you guys focus on on being ready for that for that kind of grind? Yeah, I think part of it, you know, last week's probably a great example. You know, we're up at Bowdoin on Sunday, we get a win on Wednesday, we got Amherst here and you know, it was a terrific game back and forth. And then, you know, we played our big four challenge and we played Salem, who's got great talent, not getting the wins probably they they have the ability to get. 
Um, and then, you know, we play Tufts and they're six and one going into the game. So, you know, we play that schedule in order to challenge ourselves, find out what's wrong, find out what we can do better. And, you know, I think that puts us in a good position to, you know, then take on the teams from the new Mac with a, you know, with a really truthful evaluation of what we capable, what we're capable of doing. Yeah. You, you, uh, you point out, I, I agreed with you. I thought Salem state would be better than they are this year at this point. I had them in my preseason top 25 and, and, and obviously I haven't been necessarily right in that pick now and they may improve later. In fairness uh, to them, their, their best player, Sean Bryan is out yeah. with a, you know, with a major injury. So yeah. I, I think that's really hurt the cost. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, they're losing, unfortunately, to Endicott right now, 84-55 um, yeah. in the second half. So, you know, it, a tough season for Salem State. But you've got a – we just got done talking to the Tufts women's basketball coach. They they have a bit of a break here. Um, oh, everybody does. But you've got a long yeah. break. Your last game was the eighth against Tufts. You won't take on um, another team until you take on Eastern Connecticut on the 30th uh, down in Hartford, Connecticut. Obviously, academics take priority. You got to get them in the classroom, and they got to do their finals. But how do you keep this team focused right now, or how do you get them ready to come back? You know, we talked about it with them, and you know, our biggest thing was just to challenge them. I mean, you know, it's great to have the success we've had, but you know, ultimately, as your last caller from Tufts, you know, so eloquently spoke about it. You know, it's there's different seasons within the season. You know, so we played that first nine non-conference. We got two more. And then all of a sudden you're in a new Mac play every Wednesday and Saturday. So yeah. we have a couple of weeks to get ready for Springfield. And during that time, we're going to play, you know, hopefully two great teams in the Trinity tournament. So, you know, I, I challenge them, the guys on the team to be ready to go, you know, come December 26th. And, you know, a lot of it becomes, are you a self-starter? Are you motivated? And then can you get on your phone and text or snap face or Snapchat or whatever else we're doing <laughs> to get in touch with your teammates so that, you know, we'll be ready as a group. Because you got you to gotta stay as a team even though you're all in different places. Sure. Listen, you know, the last couple of times you guys were national, you know, names, as it were, you had Joey Flannery. And yeah. that was obviously a, a catalyst for the four years that he was there, and it, it led to a national championship, as we all know. Yep. And then... I would say this team doesn't have a lot of names. We'll get to one. There is one that may jump out at some people, but yeah, not I'm for the sure re- one yeah, not for the reasons the that Joey Flannery jumps out. To that <laughs> yeah. to that argument, you don't have a lot of notoriety within individuals for what they're doing on the floor. Does does that make it a little bit easier um, in the sense of coaching, in the sense of preparing and, and being ready, or does it make it harder because you don't necessarily have a go to? You know, we just talk about the fact that, you know, every day we want to be greater than some of our individual parts. I think we have some guys who've really improved over the course of either two, three, or four years in their career. You know, you see us, almost five guys are averaging double figures. And, you know, Frank often was on your team of the week. And, yeah. you know, he's just been, you know, tremendous for us as a start. But, you know, I think that like someone like Jack Coolahan, you know, no one's going to know him. He sat the bench on the championship team, you know, mm-hmm. and was shy all the time, you know, sat the bench. But they got to experience that. They got to see the preparation and the toughness. And, you know, so I, I think that has helped them have a great preseason and a great start to the season. Um, and then, you know, the addition of Crew Ainge, I think we had a lot of pieces that were good pieces and, and not necessarily, like, say, elite pieces uh, or household name pieces. But, 
he is the ability to get downhill on a lot of people, and he's a great, you know, decision maker in transition, off ball screens, um, you know, in the half court offense. And, and it's not just him. So I think that, you know, it starts with him because he's able to break the defense down. But the other guys are willing to focus on getting the best shot every time down as opposed to just looking for theirs. And maybe because, like you say, none of those guys are, you know, household names, they're willing to be worker bees who are going to do what's best for the team. And sometimes that's not shooting. Well, and then that's sometimes half the battle. Uh, yeah, I know that. That's maybe more than half the battle um, mm-hmm. to get everybody to buy in, as it were. There is the one name. Um, you guys have always had a relationship, if memory serves, or at least in recent years with the, the Celtics, um, yeah. especially Brad their Stevens head coach. To me, so. I, yeah, Brad Stevens has been great to me yeah. since uh, 2015. So Did that, was that the catalyst to get a guy named Crew Ainge on your you know team? I, I honestly, you know, I've never asked him, you know, why he called us, you know? I mean, <laughs> I... Literally, I was on a flight to go to the Final Four, and I saw a 617 area code, and I was like, there's not many of those. I got <laughs> no. off the flight, and it's, you know, it's Crew Ainge saying, hey, I'm looking to transfer. You know, and it was as simple as that. You and think you're he, getting pranked? Well, no, like, I'm just like, you know, <laughs> you're going to have a lot of choices, you know? So yeah. like, why are you talking to me, you know? Sure. Um, and it's a situation where, you know, his family literally lives four houses away from the college. Oh. So he's. He's a commuter. <laughs> yeah. If you can call it that. Gets in and, shape getting his steps in every day. Yeah. Well, he's got a good little scooter, actually. Oh, okay. Um, Cheater. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like he's, he's been terrific. He's done everything we've asked him to do. He's, he's done a terrific job getting in with uh, his teammates. And, and he's just a tremendous leader on the floor uh, with energy, toughness, competitiveness, and, you know, just a great motor. Sure. Um, we should point out, if you don't know the last name Ainge, it's, it's Danny Ainge's son. Uh, and he came from Utah State, if, I'm, if memory serves. Yeah, he started um, 18 games there last year. Right, that was it. And of course, coming down to Division III, uh, you don't have to sit out the year like you would going up, which we saw, obviously, in Duncan Robinson um, at Williams. I know no one in New England is disappointed that Duncan left after his first year. Um, <laughs> and we should point out, I, I, this is what I'm used to. I'm used to, Catholics got Will Tergeron. On, on their team, his dad, the Maryland head coach, comes to a lot of games. I've seen him at Goucher uh, for games. He will rearrange schedules to check out his son. I'm, cu- I'm very curious. Does Danny come to a, a lot of the games? Is it, is it a distraction? Does he try and hide so that no one realizes he's there? Or is he so busy that that's just not a viable option in your web stream as his go-to? You know, he has been at every home game, including the scrimmages. He has been incredibly gracious to anybody and everybody who bothers him, if you will. Um, <laughs> sure. You know, including my mother. So, um, but he's, you know, he's just been a parent, you know, like he's come and supported his son and, you know, supported the team. And, you know, like as much as he has a, you know, incredible job and has done a great job, you know, it's one of those things where our relationship has just been parent and coach. And that's all I see in the stands, I'm sure. You know, when the game's going on, there's people trying to get in with him, but he's been really great at supporting his son and, um, you know, can't say enough good things sure. about, you know, what that relationship has meant to us this year. Yeah, I'm sure it's meant a lot. Uh, we should wait, double check. He's a junior, so you got one more year out of yep. him. Um, he's one of four guys in double figures. Uh, Callan, uh, Brandon East, Brady, Brady East. Yep. 
um, at nine points. Uh, so he's just outside that, but Cruz at uh, almost 12 points a game. Jack Coulihan, we do, do know that name, 15 points a game along with Andrew Jaworski and Frank Offering, as you point out, player of the week uh, recently, 16.8 points a game. That's a nice nucleus, four points a game and averaging almost 20 points more than your competition. Uh, you guys are also shooting 40% from the floor and, and you know, not too bad. I'm sorry, from three-point land, 51% from the floor and 79% for the free throw line. I, I know coaches who kill for those kinds of no, numbers. Yeah, we're, we're really fortunate. Uh, and, and I think it's just that unselfish piece. We, we had a lot of, like for lack of a better term, storming about, you know, who should be shooting what shots. And we looked at the first weekend and uh, we're fortunate enough to have you know, Andrew Habermill back as assistant, but Matt Groney, who was on the 2017 team, has come mm-hmm. back home. He's our first, uh, you know, Babson College grad to be an assistant here, you know, in my time. So that's almost 30 years. Yeah. 30 years. Yeah, 31. Your standards so, are high. Yeah, so we're pretty fortunate. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, but he, he pointed out to them, you know, like we, we were four for 24 on bad threes and 14 for 24 on good threes the very first weekend of the season. And, I think that's been a huge data point to focus on getting a great look and guys have shared the ball and cut and, and played really well together. You know, it's, it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch on, on live stream too. That Amherst game certainly was interesting. Looking forward to seeing what you guys can do uh, down the road as well. I do have one bone to pick with you uh, being yeah. a, a new England prep school man that I am. Sure. Um, I see uh noble and green all school. I, I, I see yeah. uh Choate Rosemary. Uh, I see the Cushing Academy. I see Trinity Pauling. Uh, many a win you against Trinity Kimble Pauling. Union too. Kimball Union for Yeah, I, I see. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I see that. I also see uh, the Hun School. I see Loomis Chafee. I know yep. quite a few people. I do not see Salisbury School on this list, sir. Um, yes. Uh, I feel really like well you're leaving the, the best here. school. I feel like you're leaving the best school out of your basketball recruiting. I, I would love to have that happen. If the Salisbury coach is listening, you know. <laughs> Get us someone who can do calculus, you know? That's what we're looking for. <laughs> if the Salisbury coach is listening to this show, then I've got a little more influence up my, on the hilltop than I realized You've I had. you more than you thought. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you, though, hockey-wise. I'm no surprise they're yep. pulling pulling guys out of, the, out of the northwest corner of Connecticut at any school. Sure. But I just, I just saw the list, the long list, even Worcester Academy on here, long list of uh, prep schools that just didn't start with an S. Anyway. <laughs> I kid. I, I digress. I, right? <laughs> I, I digress. I wanted to have some fun with you. Um, hey, congratulations again. I, you apparently have Amherst number. If Dave Hickson calls you in the future, I might be surprised. Um, because <laughs> he did text me after the game, and <laughs> I think uh, begrudgingly congratulated us. <laughs> well, he wasn't coaching, so it was probably a little easier to take. Uh, yeah, no, maybe sure. harder. Maybe harder. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Obviously, a tough conference slate ahead of you. We we wish you luck. I know it's going to be. Uh, We'll, we'll keep an eye on the Beavers. I know it's going to be fun to watch the rest of the way. As always, we give the coach the final word, though. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, support you and what you do. I know I always say that when you ask because I feel that uh, your work to, you know, really market the game of Division Three basketball has been tremendous. And, you know, obviously you do a lot more than that in your life. But, you know, your single-mindedness towards this, if there's anybody out there listening, do the GoFundMe when it's there. and Know, help out wherever you can because this has been a tremendous platform for Division Three men's and women's basketball. So thank you so much for all you did. Well, thank you. I appreciate the kind words and uh, have a great holiday. We'll look forward to catching you down the road and maybe even seeing you in the tournament. 
All right. Sounds terrific. Thanks awesome. for letting us uh, have a little time on the Beavers. Absolutely. Take care of yourself, sir. All right. Bye. Stephen Brennan joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Again, they are 9-0 and to start this season. Their last game on the 8th against Tufts. Uh, that was back-to-back games, we should point out, because uh, they played at Salem State, and that Tufts game was at uh, Tuick Gym. Um, they'll take a break. They'll play that, that tournament in Connecticut uh, after the holidays, or really between the holidays, their last, second game on New Year's Eve. Then they get another week off, and then they get a big bang. Springfield to start the conference schedule. Um, on January 8th. Circle that one, folks. That is a home game for Babson. Should be a dandy of a game as well. Take another break. When we come back, we'll stay with the bees. Benedictine will join us on the show. We'll talk about the NACC and their tremendous start as well. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA NABC Studios. More Hoops will after this. Something I discovered in myself is that if I have a goal, then I can accomplish it. It's a well-rounded experience. At a Division III school, you're primarily a student-athlete, so the school is really shaped around you developing yourself as a complete individual. It helps a lot that you have a family with your team that can guide you. Cheer for the stumbles. The heat should have had that. And the tears that linger. For in those moments, greatness lies. There, you will find the provoked, the determined, the unified. It's in those moments that champions are born. College basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor's Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the latest CBE logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that College Basketball built. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. It's on us. It's on all of us and it's time to act now. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division Three. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. I coined my definition of success in 1934. 
My definition of success is peace of mind attained only through self-satisfaction and knowing you made the effort to do the best of which you're capable. It's like reputation and character. Reputation is what others perceive you to be. Character is what you are. We are the coaches of women's basketball. We are leaders and teachers, dreamers and winners. We are professionals who conduct ourselves ethically and with integrity. We place the education, safety, and well-being of the athletes we coach above all else and teach them the fundamental values they need to succeed in life. We are coaches united for the good of our game and those who play it. We are the WBCA. Welcome back to Hoopsville. If you got any questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com, or join us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Uh, all right, so it wasn't that long ago that Babson was playing for a national championship. It wasn't that long ago that Benedictine was playing for a national championship and was undefeated. Remember, that was 2015-2016. The next year, it was Babson who won the national title. That only loss for Benedictine in that year came in that championship game in a heck of a battle with St. Thomas, who won their second in an 82-76 thriller at the Salem Civic Center. Uh, Coach Bunkenberg has now, I would argue, been through the ringer since, because not only has Benedictine uh, not had exactly the same uh, life after that, 23-5 and the next year, 17-10 and in 2017-18, and then last year they finished, oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, 13-12, and not exactly what they wanted. But remember in the middle of all that, there was a move by Benedictine to move to Division Two. They were approved. They were stepping through it. And then about 15 months ago, pulled the parachute, pulled the ripcord, as it were, changed directions and decided, no, we're staying in Division Three. That's what's best for us. That's got to put a program through the ringer, to say the least. And yet, Benedictine's ranked 24th. They're 8-1 and this season and have had a pretty good year so far. Their one loss coming to hope, but they've beaten St. Norbert. They've beaten Illinois Tech, who has always been a good program and a really low-scoring affair, by the way. They've beaten North Central, and they've got a, a tough NACC schedule ahead of them. Joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline in the NABC Coaches Corner, it's Keith Bunkenberg from Benedictine. And Coach, thanks so much for taking the time, sir. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Um, let's, let's just start for the fact that it we've had you on, because we obviously talked about what it might be to transition to Division Two. We had you on before the decision was final, or right after it was final, something like that, um, or at least that you had applied. I don't, I don't think we had you on after the decision to come back to D3. Um, so the championship happens. You almost go undefeated. You have a tremendous year the next year, and then your life must have gotten crazy. Can you just give us a little bit of a recap, synopsis, whatever you want to call it, on, on just the, the ty- uh, I don't know what the roller coaster maybe is the best way of describing it, of what the last few years has been like there uh, running the program? Dave, how long is your show? Um, we've, we can go as long as you want, <laughs> but I might check out. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> well, and, and Mark Mark Horney right now is loving that answer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, it, 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 it was definitely a, a, um, a whirlwind, you know, and, you know, we're, uh, you know, as an institution, you know, we had a new president and, you know, we obviously had a lot of success, and I, and our other sports were doing very well, and and I think 
you know, the, the president wanted to take us to another direction and possibly get a little bit more, I don't know if it limelights the word, but uh, definitely get more exposure maybe at the Division Two level. And so, you know, they were, we were heading in that direction. And it, it was tough because, you know, you have kids in your program that, you know, were recruited to be Division Three. Yeah. Um, and then you had, now you were being asked to start recruiting for Division Two. Yeah. But, but not necessarily <laughs> having scholarships. And so you're, you're trying to recruit kids to say, hey, come to our place, but we can't give you anything. Right. But in a year, you know, we'll, we'll be Division Two. Um, and then the, t- the other tough part is, okay, we'll be Division Three for a year, not qualify for the NCAA tournament. And then transition. We'll division- yes, the transition. And then uh, we'll be Division Two for two years and not qualify for an NCAA tournament. So you're asking your current kids to give up that opportunity, and then you're asking kids to come play for us and not have that opportunity. So talk about a salesman nightmare. Um, yeah. You know, you, you can sell your program, you can sell your school, but, you know, it's hard not to sell the experience of having you know, the opportunity to play at the next level. And, and what I mean is to play in the NCAA tournament, which is obviously everybody's goal. So, um, in a, you know, kind of in a nutshell, um, I guess we were lucky in the sense that we, we, we went that direction. It was about a year and a half of, of, of fighting to be Division Two. We got the, the call to your Division Two, And then we started giving out scholarships, you know, for the following year. Oh, and by the way. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we had about a month where we were offering kids, um, you know, scholarships. And, and we wanted to do it in a way where we were giving out scholarships as quickly as possible, only in a sense to maybe jump ahead of the competition and, and, and identify kids as early as possible to maybe get the jump on, on sure. maybe kids who want to make early decisions. So we did that. And, uh, we had some, some, I thought some real quality kids on the line. And, and then, you know, a month later, you know, the institution changed presidents, new president came in, looked at the numbers and just said, yeah, I don't know if this is the direction we want to go. We don't think this, you know, financially and, and other reasons, not just that, um, that we, we want to stay division three. So the hardest part of the whole thing, Dave, was calling the kids that we offered and say, you know, we're pulling the plug. And for some of those kids, it was a dream yeah, to be offered a scholarship and, you know, to them, their families and, and um, so for me, it was probably one of the toughest, toughest times in my life to give a, you know, a kid and their family a call back and say, hey, we're pulling the scholarship. We're going to stay Division three." And um, it, it was hard and stressful, of course. But, um, you know, in the long run, you know, I, I, I think where we, where, where we are is where we should be. Um, and I want to give credit to the kids that were in the program while this was happening, you know, and I'll give a shout out to, uh, you know, Kenny Bogus and, and Eric Rigo were two of our, you know, our seniors now. And I went to them and I said, Hey, here's what's happening. You know, your, your junior year will be division three. Your senior year will be division two. Um, you won't be able to qualify for, for an NCAA tournament. And as freshmen, you know, they were on our team that was 
you know, that was 25 and four and, and went to the NCAA tournament. And so I said, if you, if you don't want to stay, you know, I'll help you in any way we can to you know, get you somewhere else. And for their credit, they said, no coach, we want to stay. We want to be here. We want to continue to play for Benedictine. And for me, it just says a lot about their credibility and, and the type of kids they are. And, and now, um, you know, we're having a good year, and I hope we can finish out sure. for their sake and have a good experience. Um, we should point out, D2, it's not like they were getting full ride scholarships. Um, you, were, you were having to divvy up money and, and, and give out. It's not like D1 where it's required to be full ride. But I just wanted, I always like to caveat that just to make sure, sure we're on the same page. Yeah. Um, certainly we could dive more into that and and it'd be a fascinating conversation and maybe we do it sometime, maybe on a marathon show to explain to everybody the the challenges that you guys face. But again, you're having a great season this year. You're eight and one. I think that's the best since that 30, uh, one and one season, certainly, um, where you guys went undefeated. I think it might be the best if you don't count that season since 2015. Um, the one loss coming to hope at their place always a tough place. But again, you got you beat Illinois Tech, who has proven to be a tough team, especially in the NACC. You then go out there and beat North Central, uh, and you've beaten St. Norbert out of the gate, um, who's always a tough opponent. You went out there and certainly challenged yourself before getting into conference play. But even in conference play, you're four and zero at this point. You've got to be thrilled. Absolutely. You know, you go in and, and obviously, you know, we had high expectations going in, but you never know how, how the season's going to play out, especially when you, you know, we've always had a tough non-conference um, um, slate. And, you know, when you play teams of that caliber, the Hopes and, and the St. Norberts and North Centrals, and I'll even throw in Letourneau uh, out of Texas. Who's, yes, good call. Who's a, good point. Yeah, who's, yeah, who's a quality program, and I think they're, they're six and one. No, they're they're the uh, only losses to you. I should have mentioned them. Absolutely, yeah, good good point. Yeah, yeah. Um, but um, you know, you know, as I was listening to your show, and and uh, you know, the Babson coach brings up a great point. You play those games to kind of all right, see where we're at. How good are we? Where do we need to be? Are, are we good enough to compete at the next level? What do we got to work on? And and that's why we schedule those those games, and also for the experience. I mean, playing sure. at Hope in that facility was. <laughs> phenomenal yeah. um you know we at north central which is right down the road beating them on the road was, yep. was obviously a great win and, and it's a big rivalry game and it's always yeah. has a good crowd and a good atmosphere so so far our kids have handled it really well and uh and then getting off to a quick start in our league which is a marathon um you know 20 games in our league getting off to a quick start we, we talked about how important that was and uh you know right now you know, we can still be better. There's a lot of things we're working on to get better. We're not, I don't think we played our best basketball, but uh, we're definitely hoping uh, that we can come up with a good win this weekend. I should point out, you won number 400 against Blakeland a couple games back in a 30-point win. Uh, that's a significant milestone for you guys. Um, and then you did. You won the trophy against North Central. Um, you guys have a great trophy. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of the, I think it's a, the main state high school championships play for the gold ball. I think it's a similar trophy to what you guys yeah. have in that rivalry, yeah. which is so often. By the way, quick note that Tim Calderwood sent me, and I got to throw in there because it's just crazy. Of course, he says uh, he he says I got to ask you how you landed Mike Boat Boatwright and Nick Kosich, Boatwright being the little brother of Ryan Boatwright, who was the uh, won a title at UConn. He said it, it's worth hearing. Well, you know, um, <laughs> you know, all this ended July, and uh, you know, out of the blue, and just said, hey. 
coach, this is Mike Boatwright. You know, I'm, I'm down playing at, uh, I think it was Southern Arkansas Tech, which is a community college in Arkansas. And he had some offers, and um, um, but he really wanted to play close to home. And Ron Harvey, you know, one of our, our really good players from that uh, yes. uh, Final Four team and, and the following year, and him are good friends. And so he called up Teron and says, Hey, I'm looking for a school. Can you <laughs> give me some suggestions? And, you know, thank God Teron had a great experience at our place and said, Hey, <laughs> true. <laughs> you never know. Um, Fair point. <laughs> that's right. Um, said, Hey, you know, why don't you check out Benedictine? And, and, you know, here's Coach Bunkenberg's number. And, and you know, Mike called and, and, uh, you know, I called his uh, junior college coach and, he gave a great recommendation on Mike and kind of a player and student he was and and uh, came out for a visit and and decided this was going to be the right place for him and his parents were elated because they really <laughs> hadn't, hadn't seen him in two years sure um, you know because he was uh, you know pretty far away from home and they were excited and he's gotten off to a really good start I think he's leading the country in steals and a great defender and. And there's been a great addition to our team. Um, and then Nick, get out of York High School, um, you know, we recruited all year, and he was really looking for a scholarship, and um, whether it be NAI or Division Two, and it you used to be really, Division Two, Keith. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to block that out of my memory, Dave. But, uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, you know, he. Uh, he decided to go down to Rollins, you know, and be a sure, walk on sure. there. And, um, you know, we said, obviously we said good luck and wish you the best and hope you, you know, you have a great career down there and you'll be back. Yeah. yeah you'll be back. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, I may have been saying that in the back of my head, you know, yeah, it's never going to work. It'll never happen. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, he was down there for a week. Wow. And it was, a, it was a Wednesday before, and, and we didn't start school yet. So sure. he was there a week before we started school. And I got this call, and I know this sounds bad, but you know, I took his name off my phone because you know, I, I was like, oh, you know, all right, we lost him. He's going to Rollins, and you know, may never see him back. And oh. I, but I, rec- but I recognized the number, and so he left a message, and I just, I was like, oh my god, it's Nick, and. And he just said, you know, uh, it was really a great message. He said, Coach, I was so wrapped up in getting a scholarship or playing at a scholarship school, and I really want to be at a place where I'm just happy and I'm, I, 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 you know, I have a chance to play. And and um, and just a, it was a great message in terms of, you know, it, it's so true where kids are, it's so captivated on where they're going or telling. Their, friend, their friends or buddies, they have a scholarship. Yep. And, and they get so wrapped up into that. And, and, and boy, Division three, you know, you know, Dave, you've been around it such a long time. It's, it's great basketball. And, 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 and the talent level is, is phenomenal. And so, you know, Nick, sitting down in Florida, just says, hey, I, I want to come back. And he also said, you know, I want to sit down and watch a Bears game. <laughs> you know, I, I want to be, I want my family to watch me play. And, uh, you know, I called him back and I said, Nick, I think we got a couple days to get this done, but we're going to have a lot of things we got to do. And so, um, lucky for us, it worked out. 
Um, by the way, something about you and having players go to Florida and come back. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We I maybe we need know. to look into that. Keith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll uh, we'll uh, dig deeper in that another time. Yeah, there we go. Uh, by the way, you've got a, a kid out of Lagrange, Illinois, which I think I know where Lagrange is, but I don't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, might might be related to the famed NBA star Jeff Hornacek, um, Kyle Hornacek. Um, I mean, you just got a litany of great names on this on this team, sir. Well, it's um, you know we're lucky in the sense that uh, you know we live in a great basketball area. Yeah, you and, do. You know, and you know the the unfortunate thing is a lot of competition for all these kids yeah. um, with all the great schools here, but. You know, Kyle's been a great addition. He ended up uh, transferring in after his sophomore year, and uh, it was a real athletic three-four for us. And and um, uh, what a great lineage of basketball players and in that family. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, pretty lucky. I wish I'd uh, get a chance to. Uh, I haven't met Jeff or, or Coach Hornacek um, yet, but um, boy, what a great player he was to watch back yeah. in the day. And uh, watching him guard Michael Jordan. See, that's the thing. Uh, the he was always against the Bulls, so I always sat there yeah. going, oh, he's a good player, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, by the way, I forgot. LaGrange was about halfway between downtown, the Loop, and Naperville. Now I remember. It is. Yep. Um, yep. Where it is. Hey, before I let you go, i got to talk a little bit more yep. about just the team. Um, sure. Obviously, uh, Eric uh, Grigo is leading the way in points, 17.5 a game, nearly yep. eight rebounds a game. You mentioned Boatwright. Yep. He's got 14.5 points a game, 5.5 rebounds. Uh, Kostic and Bogus both have nine plus points a game and, and Graber at eight points a game. Yep. You seem to have a, a very um, evenly distributed weapons in the sense of, yeah, you got your go-to guys, but you also have your secondary guys who are going to burn somebody if they don't pay attention. They distribute the ball. Everybody's rebounding. Bogus is actually a team high 8.2. Um, this feels very balanced, very scarily balanced from teams I've seen you have in the past. Yeah, we're... Um... You know, I mean, anytime you you have a team that's hopefully competing at the at the national level, is a team that's going to be unselfish. And right now, that's what we're doing. Um, they don't care about their stats; they care about winning. They don't care who's shooting. Um, again, they care about you know the the end result, and and they're kind of buying into that um, right now. And we got two seniors and Eric and and Kenny that are really leading the way in terms of making sure that our team continues that success. So Eric's been great. He just had a game against Dominican where he was 13 or 15 from the field. Mm. And, you know, Kenny had, uh, Bogus had 15 rebounds. Um, and then Nick and, and uh, Kyle were, I think, four or four or six from the three. So what we're lucky is we got Mike, who's been, you know, Boatwright, who's been such a good catalyst for us at the point, defensively and offensively. We've got two wings who can shoot the ball, and we got Eric and Kenny at six, 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 seven that can score inside and outside, and so we can score a lot of different ways. And Eric's had a lot of success because Kenny's been such a good player for him, getting in the ball and feeding the ball, but also having those two guys on the perimeter where it's hard to double because we sure. were really a pretty good shooting team. So, um, but we're going to get better. That's that's my goal. I mean, we're not where we want to be, and and hoping, um, you know, like we said, it's it's a, it's a Basketball is one of the only sports that you have to play in between semesters, and so I always call it. There's three seasons. There's the yeah, good the, call. You know, yeah, there's the preseason, those non-conference first semester, and kids are finishing up their finals. Then there's 
Christmas break where there's no school and there's a lot of freedom, a lot of time on your hands. Then you start off school again the second semester with a whole brand new schedule and and physically and mentally trying to get yourself back to that mentality of school basketball. So right now we finished the first quarter of the season pretty well, and now we're hoping for the next part to have a have a good run here. Next up is uh, Concordia Chicago. We sh- or not next up. Oh no, it is next up. Next up is Concordia Chicago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I got to point out your former uh, your former assistant, former player, correct? Uh, Steve. He's uh, just a former assistant. Former yeah, assistant Steve Kohler. Yep. Yep. Uh, he left right before you guys made it that unbelievable run to the national championship. He went to yep. Blackburn. Now he's an assistant. According to Tim, this may be the first time in Division Three games that you're facing off against a former assistant. You've had. I think it was Menlo in Hawaii. By the way, we don't need to talk about Hawaii. Um, <laughs> we don't need to talk about you taking a trip there. Um, but Menlo's obviously not D3. But this might be the right. first time you're facing off against a, a, a fellow um, coaching tree member in, in a game that means a lot to both of you. Yeah. You know, Steve's first year at Concordia, Chicago. He's doing a great job. Um, boy, they're playing really hard. And and um, offensively, they got a lot of weapons. and. Transition-wise, they push it up the floor, and and um, they do distribute the ball very well to each other. And he's one of the hardest workers that I've had as an assistant coach. I've had a lot of great assistants. So lucky, but Steve's Steve's doing a great job there, and kind of changing the culture of um, good Concordia. Yeah, Concordia Chicago. They've struggled there the last few years, and and uh, it's going to be it's going to be different. Yeah, I'm. I have four assistants, four assistants out there, Dave, that are head coaches, and yeah. And you mentioned Menlo and um, one of my other assistants at uh, Benedict and Mesa down in uh, Mesa, Seems Arizona. appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then uh, another one is a, is a head coach at St. Mary's and Joe Fano, who's doing a great job down there, or up there, I should say. Um, so, you know, it, it's, you, know, you want your coaches to obviously have success and, and do well. And I don't know, these games are always tough to do because you don't want anybody to lose. But, sure. um, but I'm really excited for Steve and and their program, and you know, hopefully we can go in there and get a win. Sir, I love chatting with you, as always, uh, uh, and especially the time you took to join us, so I, I really appreciate it. I, I've loved our visits in the past, and certainly getting out there to Chicagoland to see you guys play. Look forward to doing that sometime in the near future again. In the meantime, we always give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuned in? Yeah, number one, David, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, you've been such an advocate for Division Three and and, um, you know, it, it really gives our level an opportunity to expose some great players, some great programs. And I know we've been one of them to, to have the opportunity to, you know, we're lucky. You know, I remember talking to a, to a coach after one of my friends, uh, Chris Conger at Lake Forest. And, you know, we lost the national championship game. And, you know, you're pretty bummed out. Of course, you're, you know, what was me and what could he have done differently? And. And one of his things was, hey, you know, a lot of a lot of people don't get an opportunity to go there at all, and you did that, and you guys made it such a such a great experience for us, and 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 so just want to tell you we appreciate everything that you guys do and continued success, and and uh, we really 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 hope that you know Hoopsville and 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 D three Hoops continues. Uh, such a such a great program that you guys have had. So thank you. Well, thank you. You were great in coming on the show after you guys had such a tough finish, but uh, we remember that as well. But thanks for the time. Sure. Happy holidays. We look forward to, to following you guys down the road and chatting with you soon enough. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you soon. Happy holidays to you also. Thank you. Take care, sir. All right.
Keith Bunkenberg joining us on the Blue Frame Technology Hoopsville Hotline. Don't forget, if you want to stream or improve your production or whatever it may be, Blue Frame Technology might be the right fit for you. Go to blueframetech.com. That's blueframetech.com for more information. Tell them I sent you. I want to thank uh, Keith Bunkenberg. Uh, I was talking to somebody else regarding the Division Two to Division Three change at, at, at Benedictine, and uh, someone shared a story with a student athlete who was disappointed to find out they were going to stay in Division Three and not go Division Two, and you know, his reaction essentially, I hope I'm okay sharing this, his reaction essentially was, uh, well, you know, my whole goal, um, my purpose is to, to be a Division II student athlete. I'm very disappointed in this decision. And the person on the other end saying back to them, well, uh, how many schools in Division II contacted you? And quietly and sheepishly, the student on the other end said, just you guys? And maybe you're not really a Division II student athlete. Stay here and be a Division Three student athlete with us is my point, but uh, sometimes people have different points of view, and we've heard a couple stories tonight already about how that point of view changes. And Division Three is just good; is not just good enough. It's damn good for a lot of student athletes. We'll take another break when we come back. Uh, quick recap of what we talked about at the beginning of the show. Talk quickly about the Mayak and Steve and St. Thomas, and we'll wrap up the show. You listen to Hoopsville presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. Back with more Hoopsville when we get back. Being a part of the different activities and organizations that I've been a part of, I'm actually able to see myself where I'm like, hey, I actually can make a change. I'm one person that can make a difference. Division three has helped me to develop teamwork skills, critical thinking skills, time management skills. It's not just about basketball or it's not just about school. It's about developing yourself as a person altogether. My name is Marcus Walker. I was all state, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played college and pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. It's on us to stop sexual assault. In any way that we can. To get a friend home safe. To never blame the victim. It's on us. To stand up. To make our community safe for all. It's on us. It's on us to look out for each other at parties. It's on us. To be more than just a bystander. To step up and say something. It's on us, all of us. To, to stop, stop sexual assault. assault. Learn how and take the pledge at itsonus.org. I used to 
never really talk. Ever. I was scared and shy. It was hard to look at people's faces. I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. I made friends and won lots of gold medals. But I learned more than just playing golf. Special Olympics helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. everybody here on this December the 12th. Hope you uh, have enjoyed the show. We had a lot jammed into it. We'll do a quick recap here. We're a little bit into overtime um, and we'll talk about one of the other big topics that we wanted to discuss, really wanted to discuss on Monday's show, but accidentally skipped over uh, due to a lot of other things going on and me just being flat out exhausted. Um, and then we'll wrap up this broadcast. Uh, again, if you have questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Join us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville, where we did eventually get this stream up and running. Uh, and Dave De, De Palma uh, was commenting with us. Uh, we will now know what our mistake was and make sure we get our uh, dots in a row. Uh, well, our, our dots, uh, you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, we will also remind you of our schedule before the holidays and give you a hint of what we might do after. All right, so beginning, we talked about the fact that Southern Virginia and St. Mary's both announced this week and back last two days, today and yesterday, that they are leaving the CAC and effective 2021 and the 22 season. So 21-22 season, or academic year, the CAC will be down to three schools, Mary Washington, Salisbury, and Christopher Newport. Um, we can dive into all the craziness and, and how a great conference is, is, being, is being whittled away I don't think necessarily for the right reasons. I think some of these schools that are leaving for other conferences, it's a put up or shut up type scenario. They've decided to walk away and that so be it. Um, it's too bad that these schools are now being left in a lurch. I hope there's a solution. I think there can be a solution. It's just not going to be easy and it's not going to be in front of our faces, but hopefully something comes along that those three schools eventually come together. And I think they'll stay. I think they have to stay at conference for a lot of good reasons. They're going to almost be like in independence. They'll be able to play each other, maybe have a, some kind of conference tournament in a lot of sports, or find some solution. I don't know the right answer, but ultimately, I think they got to stay together as a conference for a lot of the right reasons, especially the table at the NCAA. You get that extra vote. Uh, that said, um, being below the you know this line is a dangerous one. I think it may have some other ramifications that I can't remember off the top of my head, but we'll keep an eye on that nonetheless. Um, we we hinted on on Monday that we were going to talk about the Mayak and Stevens or St. Thomas situation. You might remember a week and a half ago we had St. Thomas men's basketball coach John Tower on the show. Very enlightening, not really diving into the details as to the who, what's, why's, 
and wares of why they are, they're being uh, leaving the why the Mayak and stuff, but giving us an insight of what was you know what's going on with them, what's going on with the experience of of where they sit and the uncertainty of where they're going. Um, let's start with St. Thomas. I had conversations with a few people that made a lot of people think they're going to get the this D one waiver. Now remember the waiver's got to be put in place. And in January at the NCA convention, D1 has to vote to allow this roadmap they're creating to allow for a D3 school to jump immediately into D1. Currently, you go to D2 for a minimum of five years before you jump. To be honest, it's more of a 10-year road to, uh, to get to D1 that way. you got to get to D2, experience what it is to have scholarships, increased budgets, um, improving your facilities, whatnot, prove, to you, prove, them, prove yourself. Make sure your budget's working, making sure you're financially fit, et cetera. It takes some time before you're finally into D1 or allowed to go to D1, and it doesn't happen very often. This is a map to skip all of that and go straight there. It may open the door to a couple schools who I think are thinking about it, but I don't think this is a norm. It would be a special situation, especially for St. Thomas. Um, so they got to approve that in January, and then they'd have to approve that St. Thomas is going to be in. Now, granted, they're making the rule for the St. Thomas situation because the Summit League wants St. Thomas. But uh, I don't think uh, off the top of my head um, we can just slam dunk, A, the rule being approved, and B, that St. Thomas gets it. But a lot of people feel they are. And one, a couple individuals come to me saying, hey, I know they're getting it and here are my reasons. So I've chased them. One of the reasons I was given was that the coaches at St. Thomas had been told that. Um, they were not to schedule any Division Three opponents in 21-22 season. Same one we're talking about with the CAC, because that is two years after St. Thomas is leaving the MIAC. That in 21-22, so 2021-2022, they are not to schedule any Division Three opponents. And that was a sign to some individuals that that was a slam dunk that they were going, St. Thomas was getting this waiver. So I looked into it. I did my due diligence. I made a few phone calls. I, I could have made more. I could have called some other individuals or some at St. Thomas I, I'd like to talk to. haven't had the time, and I hope to do so in the coming weeks, chat with others at St. Thomas. But here's what I get told. I think there's some under, there, that idea is factual in some ways, but inaccurate in a majority of the way. First off, and by the way, that message was that the AD was telling them that. I don't think the AD is saying that specifically. And again, I'd like to talk to more people, but from what I'm gathering, the, the, the word is, the advice is caution. Go ahead and schedule 21 and 22 if you're ready. 2021, 2022. Man, we're in the middle of a crazy year sequence here. Go ahead and schedule, but schedule with the premise in mind that if we are accepted to D1, you're going to have to change that schedule. In other words, if they go schedule a YAC team in Division Three you got to make sure you can get out of that game because we're not going to be playing Division Three opponents, or really we shouldn't be playing Division Three opponents. Maybe one or two or something like that, sure. But, in, you know, Staten Island right now is playing an entire CUNYAC schedule despite the fact they've made a very last-minute and sudden shift to Division Two. Uh, they're also playing some other Division Three opponents as well because they couldn't change their schedule, couldn't get out of contracts. That's going to hurt them. It's also going to hurt Division Three schools, to be honest, because those games won't essentially count when we talk about at large bids and SOS numbers and all that. So I think the word, I think the advice is caution, be cautious, schedule games. You can get out of, if we need to get out of them, 
But that also might mean coaches are gun shy and like, I'm not scheduling right now. I'm not scheduling D3s. It may put some sports. I really feel bad for the fall sports because the fall sports are the ones who are impacted first, obviously. Spring sports being affected second or uh, last. Um, it, it puts coaches in a lurch. It puts coaches in who are looking two years ahead, which most coaches in Division Three are. We're not like D1 football that's looking 30 years ahead. They're looking two years ahead and seeing schedules that they've got to fill that they can't fill. And they may be in a situation, should they stay in D3, that they're scrambling to fill schedules. Granted, the MIAC schedule had allowed them to have a significant number of games eaten up. That will disappear that year on top of that. They don't know what conference they may be entering if they enter a conference. So it puts a lot in limbo. And so to be cautious is one thing. You don't want to lock out either. You don't know where you are. We, it may be February, maybe March or April before we really know where the future of St. Thomas is. So that's where it is. St. Thomas is leaving the MIAC 21-22. They may be going to Division I. Division one. They may stay in Division Three. We don't know. We got to see what the tea leaves say in January 1st. And not January 1st, but in January at the NCAA convention. We'll see if that gets approved. If that gets knocked down, this is all over. If that gets approved, then it starts the next ball rolling. Okay, will St. Thomas then be approved by Division One to try this? One would think they would, but we'll see. We got some bridges to cross before we get that far. So that's that, that's that step of it. The other is the MIAC. McAllister's president, who's, by the way, retiring after this year, so I guess he's got nothing to lose. Brian Rosenberg believes the first one to go on record discussing the removal of St. Thomas from the MIAC. And as much as we've been crying and screaming, and I point out, we had a show right before he went on the record, by the way, talking about we're sick and tired of presidents not talking and presented the facts. I find it interesting that a few days later he comes on, he goes public with the student newspaper at McAllister. I'm not saying we have that kind of power. I just find it funny. Um, and he disputes everything. He disputes everything that's been published everything that's been reported. I will say this, everything I've read for the most part on why St. Thomas left the conference for the most part has been accurate. I have done my due diligence. A lot of it is accurate reasons for, you know, football winning 98, nothing and stuff like that. I can't always pinpoint. Uh, we can call out a, a BS on a lot of it too, but for the most part, the reasons are solid, but here's the part that drives me nuts. According to the story that he, or the quotes he gave the Mac student newspaper, which is called the Mac weekly. And the Star Tribune did a great job of breaking this down. Here's one of his quotes. A lot of reporting has been inaccurate, but that's reasonable when you can't say anything. That's the cons consequences of confidentiality. Let's not even go into the fact that confidentiality is ridiculous in this case, and that the presidents ought to be standing up for what they decided to do here. Right or wrong, the fact you're being confidential and not transparent is bull. But I go on. He said, that's the consequences of confidentiality. That people are going to make their own determinations about what they think. The whole narrative of St. Thomas being involuntary, involuntarily removed from the MIAC is not accurate. Oh, really? That's a shock. Because if we go back to the news release from the conference on May 22nd, they wrote, quote, after extensive membership discussions, the University of St. Thomas will be involuntarily removed from membership in the Minnesota Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, MIAC. The MIAC President's Council cites athletic competitive parity in the conference as a primary concern. 
So how is the narrative that St. Thomas was involuntarily removed from the MIAC not accurate? It's absolutely accurate, according to a press release from the MIAC that I promise you folks was written by the presidents of the MIAC, including, I would hope, Brian Rosenberg. He also said that this timeline had been going on for about a year. It about fits what I had in terms of what was going on. Um, he says the implication in a lot of these articles is that St. Thomas is having the last laugh because they've been invited to join D1. From my perspective, being invited to D1 is a pain in the neck. You have to spend a lot more money on athletics. You have to spend more money on scholarships. And you have to invest more money in your athletic facilities. And it shifts the priorities of an institution in a way I could never want to shift McAllister. Folks, you just heard what the real problem is. It's not that St. Thomas is good. It's not that St. Thomas is doing something unfair. They're not. It's not the fact that St. Thomas beats people in other sports. It's the fact that there are some presidents, like this one at McAllister and Mr. Brian Rosenberg, who have made a conscious decision to not spend money. That's fine. I have no qualms with that. But to then go after St. Thomas because they are is ridiculous. Listen, we talk about the CAC and what's going on there. Christopher Newport, Salisbury, Mary Washington, a lot of these schools have had big budgets. They're state honor schools. They've got big budgets. Well, Salisbury is a regular state school. And as a result, they've, they've spent more money. Christopher Newport absolutely has spent more money to be part of or do more with their athletics, to make athletics bigger on their campus, to make their campuses bigger. McAllister has chosen not to. Okay, that's fine. But don't go after another school because you don't like it. Remember, and this Star Tribune points this out, McAllister competes in the Mayak in all sports but football. They had a program that left the conference in 01 and competing as an independent before joining the Midwest Conference in 2014. They joined the Midwest Conference in 2014. That's where schools like McAllister should have gone. McAllister, St. Olaf, I think was another one of the ringleaders that was pointed out, and others. If you don't want to play with St. Thomas, and by the way, St. John's, Bethel, and others who are spending the money to improve their athletics and make it more of their, of their environment, if you don't want to spend the money, you should have gone to the Midwest Conference. Because trust me, they would have taken you. And you're also part and parcel with a lot of those schools in the academic groups that exist out there do not go on record and say that everything that's reported is inaccurate when it comes straight out of a press release that the president's basically wrote that's the first thing and second of all don't sit there and say pain in the neck to spend money it just isn't worth the hassle well okay so st thomas is choosing to do so why does why what's the problem that that's that's your own decision not to do it fine by the way what does that say to your student athlete what does that say to the rest of the college well we don't spend any money on athletics to pay in the butt and i realize I'm, I'm taking a d1 comment and twisting it but i'm seeing it firsthand at other places don't say you want one and don't do it the and, and then spend to back it up and then don't get mad at a school for what they're doing to survive, especially in this tough uh, post-academic life world, because you won't do it yourself. 
I don't care if you do it. I'm not telling McAllister to spend money. I absolutely am not. I'm not telling St. Olaf to spend money. I'm not telling anybody to spend money. But don't get mad at St. Thomas and St. John's and everybody else because they are. I can't wait until the Maya gets gangs up on St. John's. St. John's is doing the same thing St. Thomas is doing. St. Thomas just happened to be the target. Absolutely ridiculous comments to be heard from President Brian Rosenberg. And I get that he's retiring, but McAllister deserves better. The Mayak deserves better. Unbelievable comment. It, the reports are inaccurate. The reports are dead right. By the way, St. Thomas really hasn't changed much. There are some comments saying their academic profile was, too, was, was, was slipping and they're allowing too many student-athletes in. St. Thomas's academic profile is just as good as it was 10 or 20 years ago. They're just as tough to get into. Yeah, it's a bigger campus. It doesn't mean the coaches go walking around campus picking out students to join their, their teams. That's not how it works. The entire premise for why St. Thomas is good and they aren't is so flawed and so stinks of high and mighty that it's, in, it's ridiculous. Because we aren't doing it, you shouldn't do it, and because you sh- aren't, we don't think you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't be in this conference. No, it should work the other way around. If you don't think you fit in that conference anymore, you leave. You go join the Midwest Conference. Midwest Conference would be a better fit. Maybe it leaves the Mayak with not enough bids. Then, then we can cross that bridge later. By the way, I'd like St. Thomas to stay in Division Three and go to the Wyack. Just my thought. And with that, I got to go because I told my wife I'd be up for the Ravens game. And that was a while ago. We got to roll. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. Brandon Cassie says, unfortunately, I had to miss most of the show tonight. So hopefully I'm not asking about something you already talked about. But since you are discussing conference changes, what do you think about St. Norbert leaving the Midwest Conference? I think St. Norbert's deciding they want to go somewhere where it's a little more competitive. I think that's a good move. Opens up the door for some Mayak schools to come into the Midwest Conference if they are smart enough. I digress. We'll sign off. You've been listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. I want to thank our guests, Doreen Carden at Albion, Jill Pace at Tufts, Steph, uh, Stephen Brennan at Babson, Keith Muttenberg at Benedictine. I want to thank the SIDs too, Bobby Lee at Albion at Tufts. Um, I want to thank Paul, um, Paul before he went on vacation for helping out uh, at, at Babson. I want to thank our usual group, but Jeremy, thank you very much there as well. And of course, Tim at Benedictine for helping us get those sh- segments on the air. I want to thank our help from the NABC and the WBCA as well. Of course, Blue Frame Technology, D3Hoops.com for their support as well. You've been listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC studios. We'll be back on the air Sunday and then next Thursday and then we will take a break for the holidays. Maybe back on the air as soon as January 2nd. If not, the Sunday after the New Year's will be on the air for sure. So join us on Sunday 7 o'clock Eastern and then Thursday 7 o'clock Eastern as well. Thanks for tuning in everybody. Hope you enjoyed the show. We'll catch you back here Sunday night, 7 o'clock Lots to talk about, probably more to talk about, especially um, we might dive into that St. Norbert decision, but more to talk about, about these conference changes as well. Good night, everybody.